So what is the deal with Canadian Thanksgiving? I always forget, and I should know because they used to always talk about it on the Letterman show because Paul Schaefer was Canadian. And, and I should know this, and I don't, unfortunately. Yeah, we have it in October when you have Columbus Day because it freezes here so much earlier. So we had to – and I think we actually had Thanksgiving before America. So we had to yeah. get all that stuff done before it just froze here. <laughs> And then uh, you have Columbus Day and we have nothing. We should have like Jacques Cartier Day to get revenge mm. for Yeah, and the Columbus Day thing is sort of turning into a, you know, a, Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of a crap it, show. Yeah, because you know, Columbus, you know, it's 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 a mixed bag, you know, historically yeah. what he did. Uh here in Philadelphia, it's still a big deal though because we have a huge uh Italian community. Yeah. It's a big big Italian, you know, South Philly is is like a little Italy little Italy type uh you know part of town so the you know we even have there's a street we have columbus boulevard big street uh <laughs> it's funny because it's it's delaware avenue it's a big street right by the delaware river so it's right along the river you can you know you look over to your side and you see new jersey um and then when it get when delaware avenue gets to south philly it just becomes <laughs> columbus boulevard <laughs> it's it's very political <laughs> But the weird thing about Canada is that we don't do Easter a month later when things, you know, unfreeze finally. We do it at the same time, and that just seems ill-advised. I mean, Passover is fine because the angel of death is on its own schedule. Nobody doesn't care about winter. But Passover, that bunny should be under the snow for another month. Yeah, yeah. And Amy's family is on her dad's side is Greek, and then there's Greek yeah. Easter, and that's different than regular Easter. So we've got... Greek, oh, yeah, Orthodox <laughs> Christmas is different. You would think if there's one thing the world could agree on, it's like a holiday schedule. <laughs> Especially but when they no. got to make it up. I mean, right, was... <laughs> right. But no, it is, nope. it is all over the place. Oh, man, I have got so much stuff to talk about. Um, awesome. But before we get to it, <laughs> I, I assume I, I, either, I either know this for a fact or I would be shocked if the answer is no. But you, you enjoy uh, Lego, correct? Yes, absolutely. All right. I, I am not. By the way, do you, do you, uh, are you a strict, um, number one, do you capitalize it when you write it? I, I hate that. I can't I stand. Don't right, I think? There's... I think their word mark is capital, but I don't. Yeah, and it. well, and at some point, iOS started auto capping it. Like, I guess yeah. to you know, because that's what people do. But it's not an acronym, <laughs> so yes, I don't get it. I also I like to say the I like to pluralize it as Legos, and I know that there's some sticklers out there who would say that they are Lego bricks, not not Legos. This whole thing is like ma maths in England and math here, but pants yeah. here and pant there. You just don't, nobody can agree on this stuff. Yeah. But uh, I do enjoy the Legos. Uh, <laughs> I've developed a terrible habit in recent years of half building some models and then running yeah. out of time because I've got, you know, like a trip or something. Something interrupts. It's not like I lose interest. It is like, I'm, you know, it's a big thing. So I've got like a half, half built Death Star, <laughs> like from literally like six years ago. I don't even know where because we moved. I don't even know where it is. Yes. And it was <laughs> I, I remember when we moved, I had to, you know. The moving Lego models is awful. It makes you yes. doubt ever getting into the the hobby. It really yeah, makes I had you question to move your sanity. Last year too. Like, why? Why would I ever buy these things? And now I have a bunch of like broken Slave One and broken right. Death Star, and I don't know what to do with them because like there's no way I can rebuild them. Right. Right. It's like when they break, they it, it is catastrophic because it's, yes. it's anyway. You never uh, find all the pieces. So I've got the James Bond. Uh, db9 car oh, which is nice. awesome uh and i love it but it's only half built because i ran out of i ran out of time um yeah three months ago when it came out and i never got back into it um but i also enjoy 
building like small Lego kits, just, you know, ones that you can really knock out in like 45 minutes. Um, I, I find it therapeutic, you know, like the way some people, you know, like adult coloring books are a big thing. Um, you know, there's other uh, hobbies like that, that people have that I, you know, just takes your mind off whatever it is you're, you know, normally I, I enjoy the sensation of snapping Lego bricks together. Yeah. Um, but here's my question to you, because I was doing one this morning. Do you ever get like, I, I hesitate to even mention this on air, but sometimes I get a little OCD and I start wanting to put the bricks on the model where the, the little Lego stamp on top of each peg it, that they're aligned with each other. Oh, I've never thought of that, but now I don't think I'm ever going to not be able to think of it. And once it, and it pops into my mind and I, and it's like, I try, I like yeah, stop thinking that that is th that way lies madness because you can't even, because there are some pieces that have to go in a certain way and there's, you know, they're not like a square there's no way to put them with the, you know, the, the little Lego thing, uh, oriented correctly or aligned with similar pieces, you know, but it's, it like that way lies madness. Like, I feel like yeah. that might be one way that I'll wind up in a, you know, loony bin. Is yeah, no, yeah. I have to quickly forget you've ever said that now. <laughs> uh, I do like the Lego, though. Man. Yeah. But yeah. we also, we have, we have like a veritable toy store of unopened Lego boxes. Yeah, same. <laughs> in our base. It's like that new Millennium Falcon. I just, I keep wanting it, but I know I'll never finish building it. My friend, friend of the show, Dave Wiskus, has yeah. the Millennium Falcon. He also has the DB9 completely put together. How uh, does he find the is, time? It is nice, but it is that Millennium Falcon, as nice as it is, it is so super finicky. So I was in his office. You were in his office recently, yep. too. Uh, it's so super finicky in terms of like, it, and it's cool that there's like this whole interior to the ship and you can get to it. But like the way that you get to it, by carefully lifting panels of the ship off, it's like, I don't know. There's something, it, it looks cool. It is a magnificent model, but it's so super finicky that I don't know that I, I would like to have that. And I just don't know where I'd put it when I'd finished building it. <laughs> same here. Absolutely. Same here. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> we might as well get started though. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, where to start? I have, I do this every time a new iPad comes out where I get into it and I write a review and it's, you know, like here's one week with the iPad, mm -hmm. you know, pro or whatever. But then it's like, I get even more, you know, it takes longer than a week to really truly get into it. Like I, you know, I, I've been obsessing over this iPad pro ever since it came out. I bought myself, by the way, the 11 inch, um, Amy's got the, the, I, it's another thing. I'm so, so I, I've become super annoyed that Apple calls it a 12.9 inch. They should call it a 13 inch. I don't know why they do that. Yeah. Why not I, round some, that up? Some stuff they round and some stuff they don't. That's the weird thing. Cause consistency is a user facing feature. Like in the old days when there was a 13 inch MacBook air and an 11 inch MacBook air, 13 and 11, they sounded pretty different. Two inches diagonal. They looked really different in person and it made a lot of sense. I think that calling it a 12.9 inch, it sort of has like a psychological effect. It's like that 12.99 pricing yeah. thing. You know, it kind of makes you feel it's 12-ish inches, but it's not 12-ish inches. It's 13. Yep. 
It's, and, but I think people will say that Apple's cheating them out of a couple extra sub inches of screen. I guess that is one theory I have is that like so for example their their thirteen inch laptops have always been thirteen point three. I believe yes. every single one yep. they've ever made is always or at least in recent, you know, last fifteen, twenty years. A thirteen the inch sixteen Apple, by ten ones are all thirteen by thirteen point right. three. Uh and so you can round that down and nobody feels they're getting ripped off, but if you round twelve point nine one two inches up to thirteen, people will say you're you know you're yeah. the, you're committing Where are my mar- extra inches. You're committing marketing fraud, and I can yeah. see that, and that might be the whole explanation why you know that they technically isn't all the way to thirteen, so they're not going to call it thirteen. But I think it's so much easier to think of it that way. Yeah. It it feels more like that's that's the difference. Anyway, I bought the eleven inch. I'm convinced that that's the right size for me personally. I it's and it is it, it is funny. It is sort of like the watches have gotten harder to pick a size with the latest generation. I feel like I, I've had so many discussions with friends about which iPad to get, and there's I know there's a lot of people who are on the fence who were never on the fence before because that the old twelve point nine inch Pros were so big. Yeah, and it's it was great for some people. They loved it. But if you didn't really need it, you know, for drawing or something like that, it was such a bear to lug around that, you know, you didn't buy it. Whereas now, it's tough decision. My rule of thumb has always been if I don't take, if I don't want to have to take a laptop with me when I travel, then I want a 12.9 inch iPad. If I do want to, or I have to take a laptop with me, then I want the 11 inch because it's that old line that you've said so well, the lightness of the, of the iOS device lets the Mac be heavier. So I can take a 15 inch MacBook Pro for when I need to do video, but I want to take that with me everywhere so I can use it for video. And then I have the super light 11 inch iPad for everything else. Yep. As a rule of thumb, I, that, that is, it is a very complicated decision matrix and I feel like ultimately (laughs) you've nailed it that is to me that's my advice to people is if you either only want an ipad to be your portable computer you know whether you are all in on the ios lifestyle and you don't even use a mac anymore or if you have a like an imac and when you out you want to use an ipad or even if you have a macbook but sometimes you want to go on a trip where you don't even pack your macbook it's a vacation you want to do less work you are only taking an ipad in those cases, I think you want the 12.9 inch uh, if you want to use it as your main computer for any serious stretch of time. Whereas the okay. 11 inch to me is exactly as Steve Jobs described it when he introduced the first iPad in 2010. It is this in-between device, in-between a phone and a, mm-hmm. and a laptop. That's what the iPad is in my life. It is exactly – I just and I just went down the rabbit hole of watching a, a bunch of old Steve Jobs product intros. Um, and it, it was crazy how that, how his description of the, where they were imagining this new tablet yeah. to be, how it's like, well, for me, that's exactly where it still is. Yeah. And I know it's different for a lot of people and that's, you know, why we have podcasts to talk about them. <laughs> no, it's totally true. And I think like the whole, well, you know, it's not fair to tell people they have to choose, you know, some people should, people shouldn't have to buy an iPad and a MacBook or something, but some people are very happy with an iMac to do really Xeon or a Mac Pro to do like Xeon level work, but when they but they also have to travel, and so they have a MacBook as well. And I think it's 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 wrong to sort of say you have to yeah. you have to choose between these things. You need everything according to your use case. But for me, it's it. I'm very very confident that the 11 inch is the right the right model yeah. for me. What about you? I have been using the 12.9 because that's the one that they gave me to review, and I haven't bought 
I'm probably going to buy the 11 inch one. I haven't bought it yet. I wanted to see how long I could survive. Right. Just the idea that the bezels were gone and it was such, it was so much smaller and it was almost like freedom going to the smaller version, the 12.9. But I think now that I'm ready to buy my own, I think I'm also going to go for the 11 inch. So one of the interesting things to me about the 12, the new 12.9 inch with the greatly reduced bezels is that when you put it on top of like a new MacBook Air, it is a very similar footprint. Yes. And it's cool how much smaller it is than my old 13-inch MacBook Pro, you know, the yep. one from four years ago. But it is remarkable how similar it is in footprint and just basic heft to the MacBook Air. They are very comparable machines as just closed devices in a backpack. And I think one of the cool things about the iPad is that by having, especially, you know, the 12.9, it still has the 4 to 3 aspect ratio. And the 11 inch has a slightly different aspect ratio, which yeah. doesn't actually work out to good numbers. <laughs> no. But it's it's 4.3-ish. It's certainly close, a lot closer to 4.3 than 16 to 9. Yeah. I find that that is very pleasant for a lot of the stuff I do on a laptop, which is reading web pages, scrolling through emails and by having a higher it's you know higher rather than wider that's a to me a very neat screen I, it sort of makes me vaguely wish that apple would go away from 16 to 9 laptop screens and go a little bit closer to 4.3 yeah i think they're i think well they had some of them that was there was 16.9 and some that were 16.10 for a while but I think you're right, because often on the stuff that we do, it is the vertical height that matters. Yeah. And I've gotten to a point where like, I would just live on that iPad Pro. If I didn't have to do Final Cut, and if, I, if, if Photoshop was in such muscle memory that it would, it would, it's just too inconvenient for me with my set-in-my-own-ways traditional computing mentality to learn something uh, new on the iPad to do all this sort of graphic design stuff, I would just live on that because it is so pleasant to use. Do you remember, were you using a Mac back in the day? This would probably be around like 1990 or so when it came out. There was a company called Radius that made displays, third-party displays for Macs. And they had one that rotated. That yes. So instead of being wide, it was tall. And it was like a 15-inch display, which at the time was huge. Uh, and you could rotate it sideways. And I remember the, I remember seeing it in Macworld, you know, the magazine or Mac user and and lusting after it but of course it was you know like i don't know two thousand dollars you know it was way out of my budget as a 19 year old um but i coveted it greatly and one of my computer science professors had it and, and of course had it oriented up and down because he was yeah. looking at code and it was like unbelievable how much source code he could have on screen at one time it was like oh my god that is amazing like the only way like that, you know, on a, on a normal display that you could look at that much source code at a time to sort of see like, a, you know, a two page algorithm or something and sort of try to get it into your head would be to print it out and put the paper, <laughs> you know, next to each other. I used to use that for Quark and later for InDesign because you yeah. could see a whole page of work. That, like when you were yeah. doing book design or document yeah. design, you could see the whole page. Right, right. And, and if you were doing, you know, most of the stuff you would do in page layout, whether it's a newspaper or a yeah. magazine, is oriented in portrait, not landscape. And so having a portrait display was actually really useful. Which is know. great with the iPad because you literally just do turn it and it does that for you. All right. Uh, sort of went away. I mean, like with something like a 30-inch iMac, you get that much horizontal like you really wouldn't want. I wouldn't want to turn that display side, side by side, it's right? Fine. But on a laptop, I kind of miss it. You know, yeah. I don't know. That's. But for me, the thing that I love about, and the reason I love buying this eleven inch 
iPad is that it's so much smaller footprint rise than even a MacBook Air, even mm -hmm. the new MacBook Air. And so to me, if I'm temporarily going to go and, you know, take something to a coffee shop and just work for an hour out of the house, you know, just to get a change in scenery, taking this little 11 inch sliver of a device feels so remarkably, and I'm a sucker for small machines. I, yes. I used to love the 11 inch air. Um, still sort of pine for the iPhone SE size phone, even though I, I would, yeah. you know, I, I just wish it was out there. I wish there was a new one, but anyway, it's so cool as a little laptop. It is amazing. Which is funny because my, the CEO of, of the company I work for, he ordered the new MacBook Air and ended up returning it and getting the highest level. I used to call it Core M7. I think they pretend mm. that it's an, I, it's an i7 now. A uh, 12-inch MacBook because it, it is the tiniest MacBook mm. and, he, and he wants to code. So he, and it's the same performance as the Air. So he was willing to pay the extra money just to have an even more portable MacBook. Yeah. that's a, You know, people, it's funny. I, uh, so many people... And I do think that the MacBook, we're skipping all over the place, but I do think the MacBook lineup as a whole, as a family, is a little weird right now because there's a couple of machines that are sorely in need of updates, including the 12-inch MacBook yeah. and the 13-inch MacBook Escape, the, the Pro without the touch bar. Um, yeah, all they did was gold for the 12-inch MacBook. It's the only update we got this year. Yeah. It was the that, new gold color. Yeah, and I don't think that the 13-inch MacBook Pro without the touch bar got touched no. at all. Um, no. And so that's, that's a weird situation, and I think it'll make a lot of sense once those machines do get updated. Um, well, I think it's the branding. So like when the, when the MacBook Air dropped to $999, they had the opportunity to change the name to just MacBook because it was the new entry-level computer. But they probably thought there was so much equity in the Air name, they kept it. And then the 12-inch MacBook came out, and the Air was cheaper than the MacBook. And maybe they thought the MacBook would replace the Air the way the Air replaced the MacBook, yep. but it didn't. So now your baseline Mac is the MacBook Air instead of the MacBook. And if you're willing to spend a little bit more money for extra portability, you get the MacBook 12-inch. And if you're willing to spend a little bit extra money for the performance, you get the Pro. But just expectations, a normal person looking at it would think the MacBook was the base and not the MacBook Air. Yeah, it's very strange. Um, yeah. And it's funny because, like I said, I was digging through old Steve Jobs product intros and I watched the Mac, his original MacBook Air intro. Everybody remembers it because of the yeah. cool, the, the cool um, conceit of saying, hey, it even fits in one of these, which we've all seen, you know, and he shows like a little inner office manila envelope and then he actually has one. <laughs> That, of course, is a perfect match. It is exactly the one that he showed in the slide. It's got the neat little, you know, red thread tied around yeah. the, the thing to seal it. Um, what a, it's just amazing stagecraft. It really was. Um, but it's so funny because, again, in terms of like, hey, this is exactly what we're talking about 10 years later. He even said it's like he, he framed the whole introduction as everybody knows Apple makes the best notebooks in the world. <laughs> and everybody yeah. cheers because it's Macworld Expo. Uh, we've got MacBook and we've got MacBook Pro. And it's so funny because they've gone back to those names. They've got yes. a product that's just called MacBook. Like w in 2008, it was the white and black plastic ones, yeah. um, polycarbonate, if you want to be official. Um, and then here we've got this MacBook Air that fits in between because it's sort of a premium product like a Pro, but it's also really, really small, way smaller than any of the other ones. So, you know. Uh, the name made total sense, and now the, the names make no sense. But they would if they just would 
take an eraser. (laughs) Just take an eraser. (laughs) Erase the air off the MacBook Air and then write air on the 12-inch MacBook. It would all make sense. But I think you're right. It's just everybody's – it – the fact that it doesn't make sense, it is what it is. Everybody has internalized that the MacBook Air, it, it doesn't mean, the Air doesn't mean anything related to thinner light anymore. It means it's the wedge-shaped $1,100 yeah. MacBook that most people buy. And it has, the, it has you know, and also has a connotation now of being the entry level because people are yeah. so used to being, like they, none of them debuted at nine ninety nine. Right. I think the original debuted at seventeen ninety nine. Yeah, it was very expensive. And the expensive. second one at twelve ninety nine. So right. this is the cheapest debut MacBook Air yeah. ever, but it's still way more than people's concept of the Air being nine ninety nine. Yeah, totally. Uh, so I have been going nuts on the iPad. <laughs> Just, I don't blame you. Absolutely, and I've I've wasted. Uh, I mean, let me try to tally this up: how much money I've spent on keyboards in the last like <laughs> ten days. Is it more than Snell? That's the only metric. Mm, maybe I don't know. I wouldn't want to bet on that. Um, I didn't buy any expensive keyboards. I've just been buying a lot. I'm obsessed with trying to find a a the right keyboard for me to use out of that. You know, with the iPad. And the smart folio keyboard case, whatever they call it, what the hell? It's got a, it's a mouthful now. Yeah, the smart, it's got, fo- the smart keyboard folio. All right, is pretty good. And as I've used it more and more since it came out, I'm finding it better and better at you know like because the thing is I don't want to leave my iPad in it all the time. That is the yeah. the big thing, and that's why I definitely didn't like the old keyboard folio that much because it just seemed like such a pain to get it on and off. It was like origami. Yeah. And I never, and I'd be like trying to attach it to the wrong side. I I get all mixed up, spun around. I I, I was never a huge fan of it. Um, This one, the more I use it, the more easily I'm getting it in and out for handholding without anything on it and then popping it back in when I want to write something. And I'm okay with the keys. It's, you know, they are what they are. Um, and I'm also okay with the smaller keyboard on the 11 inch folio cover because the keys I actually use are full size. Um, you know, the ones that they, it's not truly a full size keyboard, but all of the alphabetic keys are full size. So close enough. And I'm okay with having a small tab key or a tiny little half size backslash key who gives a crap. Yeah. Um, but I don't love taking it in and out. And so I'm kind of obsessed trying to find like a Bluetooth keyboard that I really like in terms and, and do I want to use the same one everywhere? Like even when I'm at home and I'm t- typing in the kitchen and do I want to use the same, you know, is it the same keyboard I want to take with me in a backpack when I go on a trip? And so I've bought a lot of keyboards. <laughs> it's funny. So my godson, my not, my 10 year old godson, he doesn't like, com- forget the latest MacBook keyboards. He doesn't like any computer keyboard. We ended up getting him that typewriter keyboard they made for the iPad that feels like an original yeah. metal uh, arm type and that he loves. Hmm. So what we need to do is find like the version of the Apple extended keyboard to dock yeah. that they make. Someone needs to make that for the iPad for you. Yeah, but I have I have the one that Snell, uh, you know, the, we always call it yeah. the Snell keyboard, the Matthias, whatever it's yeah. called. It's a Bluetooth keyboard with supposedly Apple Extended Keyboard 2 feel keys, which don't feel anything like the Apple Extended yeah. Keyboard 2. But they are mechanical, and so they feel better than most keyboards. Uh, you know, and it's okay, but it's so big. It, it It's good to have – it's possible as a kitchen 
keyboard. Okay. It is not a good backpack keyboard because it's just too big. It's why it, it you'd look like it's just preposterous to carry that around in your backpack. Um, I'll, I, I'm going to hold this thought because <laughs> it's a long rant. Yeah. I'm going to take a break and I'm going to thank our first sponsor. And it is our friends at trace Pontas. Now look, these guys sell coffee and it's all sourced from a single family, uh, farm. And, um, it's it, single family estate coffee is what it is. And it is fantastic. Um, it is a premium select coffee and, it's really good. And what you can do is you can get a subscription. Now you guys have heard me talk about this before. I love having a subscription to coffee so that I just, I never run out and you just pick whether you want it, uh, delivered every week. Do you want it every two weeks? Do you want it once a month? How much do you need? Uh, when you get coffee from Trace Pontas, it is super, super fresh. It even comes with like a roasted on date. The last batch I got, I checked it was at my door delivered in a little box. And I checked the date. It was roasted two days before. I don't even know how that's possible because it's not like they're overnighting it. I don't know. They roast it. They put it in. Two days later, ding dong, there it is at your door. It's really, really convenient. It is excellent coffee. Uh, this is a great gift idea, though. If you've got coffee lovers in your life, get on, try getting them a – think about getting a subscription to Trace Pontas Coffee. It is a tremendous gift idea. Uh, we're right at that part of the year where you really got to start thinking about holiday gifts. So I'm suggesting this. Suggest uh, if you've got a coffee lover in your life and you want to get them something cool, uh, look into getting them a subscription for a year to Trace Pontas. It's really, really good. Now, they also have – I don't even know how you know uh, where this comes from. So their coffee comes from Brazil. They also sell olive oil that is uh, similarly uh, single – farm origin comes from Chile. It's obviously you need a different climate for good uh, olives than coffee. It's really good stuff. It is really good olive oil. Uh, to me, the test of olive oil is you just get some good bread, you pour some olive oil out on a plate and you just uh, dip the bread in the olive oil with nothing else. Does it taste good? Yeah, it tastes really good. Um, they sent me a bunch of this. It is really, really good. Very pure, uh, lowest acid that you know you can get extra virgin olive oil. Uh, really, really good. They're, they're, honestly, the sponsorship here is for the coffee. I'm just mentioning the olive oil just because they sent me some and it's really good and it's something to think about when you're shopping. So where do you go to find out more? Go to tracepontas.com. Special offer for listeners of the talk show. Here's the deal. I sign up for a subscription and use the code the talk show with the the at checkout and you save an extra 10% off every bag of coffee. Every time you subscribe, you pay 10% less than the regular just buy the bag price. With that code, you get an extra 10% off, so you get 20% off, and then you could use that for the gift too, and nobody will know that you got a discount. Uh, so enter that at checkout. Uh, you can also go to Amazon and search for Trace Pontas, and it's the stuff gets delivered from Trace Pontas. They just, it's, Amazon's just a storefront. They don't have it sitting there getting stale on shelves just as fresh. And they encourage you if you prefer, if you think it's easier to buy stuff from Amazon to do it that way. So my thanks to Trace Pontas. Check them out at their website, tracepontas.com. Remember the coupon code, the talk show, and you'll save some money. All right. Keyboards for the iPad. <laughs> I bought one. I, I was at the Apple store and Apple has one. It's only at the Apple store. It's, a, it's called a Logitech keys to go. I think it's called. Have you seen this thing? 
No, it's a tiny little sliver of a uh, of a of a of a Bluetooth. It's about as small as as it could be, and it's got like a rubber cover, it's sort of like in a, like it's inside a rubber glove. Uh, so it's like waterproof. They even showed, you know, you can just totally dump water on it. It's sort of the same basic idea as the Apple's folio keyboard, you know, where there's like yeah. a covering, but man, is this a squishy ass keyboard and, <laughs> and it's cool. The one thing that's cool is that it, it, the way it's packaged is you can just open the cardboard box and actually touch it, uh, in the Apple store. So I did that. Oh, and, I did see this. Yeah. yeah. All right. It, is that what it's called? The keys to go? I don't remember, but I remember the squishiness. All right. Uh, it's so squishy that I didn't buy it. I was like, oh, this is terrible. And I tweeted about it. And then a couple of people like MG Siegler said, oh, I've got that. It's not that bad. You get yeah, used yeah. to it. And so <laughs> the next day, like an idiot, I went back to the Apple store and bought it. Because I thought, well, if it's good enough yeah, for MG. Logitech keys to go. Yeah, Logitech keys to go. Um, And, you know, it is super lightweight. And... It is because it's, you know, doesn't have like keys, you know, it's got a thing. I I would feel very safe and secure, like keeping that in a backpack or a suitcase, just getting all bounced around. Like it's super durable. Uh, It pairs okay, but man, it is so squishy. And I, I, it, it's me. It's not, it's the keyboard is what it is. And I, I got to try it before buying it. So I shouldn't complain, but because it's so squishy, I find myself pounding on the keys. Like <laughs> like I was writing, just going through email the other day trying to use it, and my fingers hurt. <laughs> like I'm, I can't willingly just, I think if you typed like a sane person, it would actually be super quiet, might be one of the quietest keyboards in the world. But instead, I'm pounding on it because I want to feel something. And if you just yeah. sort of press them, it's actually sort of close to the hypothetical like like not even moving keys keyboard so it's it's it was a very poorly thought out purchase (laughs) (laughs) the other thing and i think that this might be what i settle on is the the, duh obvious uh is apple's magic keyboard the new one that the one that charges with a lightning port which i didn't have until this week because my imac came Actually, what did my iMac come with? I think my iMac came with a big keyboard, didn't it? I don't know. I have a 5K iMac from a couple years ago. Okay. I don't use the keyboard that came with it. I don't even know where it is because I use an Apple extended keyboard too. At some point, I ended up with the the old Magic keyboard, the one that took AA batteries in a cylinder yeah, yeah, yeah. behind the keyboard. And I never bought the new one because I'm, I wasn't going to use it. And I like the old arrow key layout better with the upside down T. So I had never even tried this new Magic Keyboard with the Lightning port. It's amazing. A, it is way lighter than the old Magic mm-hmm. Keyboard uh, when you put two AA batteries in it. It is a tremendous difference in weight. It is super lightweight. It is the smallest possible keyboard you could have that is truly full-size. It is just exactly like a MacBook keyboard just with nothing else. There's no, and there's no sides. There's no top. There's no bottom. The, even nicely, the function keys are full height. So it's even nicer. And the key travel is amazing. It is, this is the keyboard that I hope they can somehow put into MacBooks in the future. This should be the MacBook keyboard. And, And they have, I think they have the butterfly mechanism or a butterfly mechanism with the you know, the quote unquote stability so that if you touch, you know, press down on the corner of the key, the whole key goes down as one piece. 
It certainly feels like it, whether it's actually the same mechanism or something similar. I don't know, but it, 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 it just feels great in every single way. And if Apple can put this keyboard, that keyboard into MacBooks, I, I will weep tears of joy. <laughs> I'm just salty that the, you can only get it with the extended version in space gray, which is the only acceptable color now. You can get the silver one in both, but can only get the space gray one with the number pad. It's, you're taking the words right out of my mouth because I'm there. The, only, the small Magic Keyboard only comes in the white, and they have the other ones right there in the Apple store, yep. you know, the big ones with the space gray, and it looks so cool, and it, it just hurts. It hurts my heart. And I don't even want to admit how much more I would pay to get it in space gray. So it's a $99 keyboard. It's 100 bucks. It feels like a $100 keyboard, to be honest. The Logitech one that I bought was 70 and this feels way more than $30 nicer than that Logitech one. And it's not that much heavier. It's obviously not waterproof, you know, so when you travel, you've got to somehow take that into consideration. Uh, and I have a suggestion on that front. It, it But I, I would pay, uh, honestly, <laughs> I was going to say 150 for Space Gray. I would pay 200 <laughs> If they had it for 200 I would have paid 200 to get it in Space Gray because that's how big I of was, a, that's how big of an idiot I am. I was hoping I could buy the Space Gray one and just get that crazy Canadian miner on the AVE channel to cut the number pad off of it for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, it, the Space Gray looks so much cooler. Yeah. So in terms of traveling with it, and I think that this is what I'm going to end up with, uh, uh, friends of the show, Studio Neat, makers yeah. of all sorts of very cool <laughs> and a, w a wide range of crazy stuff. They make everything from the Glyph, which is a very cool little tripod mount for uh, phones, to uh, they have a <laughs> they have a kit for making clear ice cubes. So great. <laughs> they have a pen, a Siri remote holder, <laughs> right? A Siri remote holder. They just, you know, they they make cool things. They're just two guys. They have a podcast over there on uh, the Relay where they talk about the stuff that they make. Yeah. Very cool stuff. But one of their products is called the Canopy. It's a thing that to put the the new Magic Keyboard in, and it's got like little suction on the one side. It's like a little three fold thing. So you put the keyboard on, and it sticks with these little suction cups. Uh, so you could remove it too. It's not like you're sticking it with glue or something like that. It, it sticks with suction and then it folds over and has a nice little leather strap. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that's my solution for traveling. I think I'm going to like that better than using the Folio keyboard because A, it's a better keyboard. It is actually the best yeah. portable. It is literally the best feeling portable keyboard in the world, in my opinion. Better than any MacBook available, better than any Bluetooth keyboard I've felt that is that would be considered portable. And now you can just plug it in to charge off your iPad. Right. Well, and the thing is, is like, what do I value, though? Like, do I like it over? I certainly like the keyboard more than the Folio keyboard. But on the other hand, sometimes it's nice to have the iPad magnetically connected as opposed to just propped up. Mm -hmm. Right. You, you know, there's scenarios like on a airplane or something like that you hit a little turbulence or something if it's on your lap it's not going to, you don't have to worry about the keyboard coming apart you know from the ipad so i don't know i i feel like those are my two finalists in this battle yeah. royale of a keyboard to take with my ipad as i travel apple's smart keyboard with studio neats canopy to wrap it up and stick it in a backpack or just the most obvious choice and this whole thing was <laughs> A complete waste of time and money. Apple's Folio keyboard case. Yeah, I, mean, I just stick to Apple's Folio keyboard case because I am completely keyboard 
not agnostic, but like you can drop me on a new keyboard and within mm-hmm. 20 minutes, it's like Fortnite. You know, I'm, I, I, I just take over after 20 minutes, I'm fine with it. So the, the Folio keyboard works fine for me. It packages the whole thing up. But I do love, I have the canopy and I do love it. And now I'm jealous that I'm not using it. There is, there is some weird stuff though, because like an iPad optimized keyboard has some keys that a Mac keyboard doesn't have. And a Mac keyboard has keys that the I, iOS keyboard yeah. doesn't have. Like... For whatever reason, Apple is, you know, as a is conducting a war on escape keys, and <laughs> the iOS Folio keyboard has never had an escape key. And I guess a part of it is because iOS doesn't really do much with escape yeah. key. But it also it also has the little thing in the corner to bring up like the uh, alternate keyboards, so you it's easier to get to like Emoji Picker, yeah. right? And you, if you're using a Mac keyboard. I actually don't even remember how you how you do. It. I don't have one in front of me right now as we record. It's control command space. Control. So it's sort of like the Mac shortcut. Oh no, sorry. I was talking about the Mac. No. What about on iOS? How do you get the emoji picker if you have a keyboard, a Bluetooth keyboard connected that doesn't have? I don't that know key? because I only ever use that button. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't know. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't get to use emoji. <laughs> yeah, you got to reach over and hit the, the screen like an animal. And I will also say. It, it, in this whole big mix of feeling one way, then the other, then the other, going back and forth, it is way nicer to have a the the what do they call the connector on the iPads now? The smart connector, the smart oh, connector yeah. is a nicer thing in practice than Bluetooth can ever be. Yes, because you just un you know you, when you're done with the keyboard, you just pull the iPad apart from it, and there's nothing else to do. Whereas with a Bluetooth keyboard. You're in range, you know, and it's sort of like, it's sort of like I wish Bluetooth had a worse range, right? Like I kind of, <laughs> like I kind of wish I could set these keyboards up so that they only have like three feet of range, like because yeah. I'm never, I don't want to use the keyboard unless my iPad is within three feet, and it would be so nice if I could just walk to another room and have it say, okay, you're not using the keyboard anymore. But instead, just it's, measure time of flight. Like if time of flight is over so many milliseconds, stop using the keyboard. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I'll be in the kitchen and I have a Bluetooth keyboard hooked up and I just pick up the iPad and go to another room and I go to type and nothing happens. And it's like, oh, because it's still connected to the keyboard. And then I got to go to control center, turn Bluetooth off. I always wait like a second, turn it back on. And then, you know, but it's you know a minor irritation every time, and you never with the the smart connector you're it, it you're never surprised right yeah. if it's connected it you can type and if it's not connected you don't you get the on screen keyboard and I never noticed that about the escape i think I think it's part of Apple's greater war on legacy computing because for escape is not a human readable key if you happen to have grown up with computers or you work in computers, you know what it means but for example, like after the show finishes recording. That escape button is going to turn into a stop record button for me because I'm using QuickTime and QuickTime is going to own it and the touch bar is going to show a stop button instead of the escape button. Yeah. And that's all way more human readable than just a continual escape key, I think. Yeah. The other thing, and I, this pains me, it pains me, but I, and I've had this happen before. I remember very vividly the last time when the original iPad Pro first one came out. I had a similar thing where after about 10 days, I started like reaching up to touch my MacBook (laughs) display. And you know, you know that I do not, I do not like anybody touching my Mac displays. Like as soon as like I have a MacBook and somebody, you know, somewhere along the road, six months in, somebody touches my screen. There's a part of me that dies and I just want to throw, (laughs) I want to throw the machine out and just go get, Oh, I got it now. You know, 
go all Howard Hughes and just buy a new MacBook. Like a dispenser. You throw it away, you pull a new one off the dispenser and put it down. Yeah. I I just love the idea of a display that has never been touched by a greasy finger. Um, But I find myself reaching up to touch the Mac and it... You know, it's it's very dependent on what I'm doing. Um, but like an app like Tweetbot that largely looks the same, it's it, it, and you're if I'm switching back and forth with a lot of time on the iPad Pro in laptop mode to doing it, and it's not I'm not making an argument that the Mac should support touch. I'm just making the observation that if you spend a lot of time on the iPad in using it in a laptop configuration, it is it, it it's a very hard it's very hard not to want to touch the Mac just because your brain, you stop thinking about it as something, you know? Mm -hmm. And, but the other thing is I always, I often always, you know, think that I can move a cursor around by going underneath the space bar on an iPad. And you know, there is no trackpad there. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I wish they had to put a capacitive space bar on the keyboard itself. And it would work exactly the way the on-screen space bar does. If you hold your finger there for a few seconds and start swiping sideways, it would just, it would just do the cursor movement for you. Yeah, I don't know. It's it is funny, and that is a weird thing too about this whole situation is that when you're using the on-screen keyboard, you do get a trackpad, right? Yeah. You can just hold down the space key and you can move precisely move the cursor around. And when you're using a hardware keyboard, which in theory should be better in every way, you actually yeah. lose the ability to to go into trackpad mode and move the insertion point. You lose a very big feature. So it's yeah, it's, it's such a mixed bag. And humans are horrible at context switching. If you take your hands off the keyboard to use the screen, it's incredibly interruptive to your workflow. It's way better to keep your hands where they are. So that, that still irks me. Yeah, it's, it's a huge irritation to me. And it's a huge reason why, you know, it's, it's a big one on my list of reasons that as much as I'm spending all this time on the iPad Pro trying to use it as much as I can, like one of the things I just cannot get over is, is the lack of, you know, the needing to reach up and touch. Yeah. On that front, the other thing is I am so loving the new Apple Pencil. And yes. I don't really draw. I don't have, like, a, it's not a hobby of mine. Uh, you had a great video this past week, and you are a, a you know, a, a very good hobbyist uh, yeah. illustrator. You you're, you're, you enjoy it, you know, uh, you're good at it. And so it's it makes <laughs> for a good video. Uh, like, if I made a video for illustrating, I would have to... I would have to bring in outside talent to do the actual drawing. I mean, Gray has done really well with just stick figures. So yeah, his, his are good. Yeah, yeah, I guess I could do that. I could do the stick figure route. I just like it. I just like using the pencil for all sorts of things. I like the using it to manipulate the user interface. Yeah. I just love that it's there. I just love it as like a fidget thing in my hand because it feels so good. But the thing that sort of drives me nuts is that when you are editing text, it doesn't act as a precise placer of the insertion point Mm -hmm. you you're in notes or mail and it's a long thing of text you can use the pencil to place the insertion point but whatever you know you tap it in the middle of a word where you have a misspelling and you want to change two letters you can't tap in the middle of the word if when Mm -hmm. you tap on the word the insertion point goes after the word and it's the exact same thing you get when you tap with your finger and with your finger it makes sense because your finger is a very imprecise pointing device the pencil, on the other hand, is incredibly precise. So I find it very, very frustrating that when you're moving, trying to place the insertion point precisely with the pencil, you get the same algorithm you get with the finger. 
And yeah, I mean, the pencil, your finger is, it's a blunt instrument. Um, and the pencil, it feels like you should be able to do all sorts of very exact mark. Like you should be able to circle words to select them. To, yeah. You should be able to cut through words to open. I mean, there's so much potential there. Yeah. And the old, you know, oft quoted, if you see a stylist, they blew it. Steve Jobs line was only in the context of need, a device that needs a stylus that you can't really properly function, you know, manipulate the device without a stylus. So people forget that before the iPhone came out, most touchscreens were resistive where you literally right. had to squeeze right. two layers of plastic together to get it to register an input. And you had to use a stylus or the nail of your finger yeah. to do anything on them. And that was not that was not the future of computing no so like i you know and i i had a handspring visor back in the day as as yep. my palm device um you know and and my wife had one too and she really liked it we used it a lot and it's kind of remarkable how much we used it given that it didn't have any networking so there was no cell networking at the time or there was cell networking but not on the palm devices yeah. and the wi-fi wasn't a thing yet we used it a lot for something that you have you know to get data in and out you had to connect it by usb to a, your mac and sync but yeah, if you lost your stylus, you were you you had to go find something stylus like. Like there was nothing yeah. technically magic about the stylus. It was just a piece of, you know, just a, a yeah, it, like an etch a piece of plastic. Yeah, <laughs> no, not an. I used to order three packs of extra styluses just so I would have one around for when I lost mine. Oh, it's not an Etch-a-Sketch. What were those things called? You know, the, but there were those things that you could buy as a kid where you could draw on them, and they were sort of like an Etch-a-Sketch where there was like it was like magnetic paper. And, oh yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, well, whatever they were called, if you remember, um, they you know you could use that as your stylus. You could use a toothpick if you wanted to, yeah. you know, but you needed something to press. You couldn't just tap on things. Yeah. So that's what Jobs was talking about. Jobs was talking about needing a stylus, and I don't think that the iPad ever should have anything that requires the pencil. You know, and I think that they've done a great job of that. But I do think, though, that they still haven't fully taken advantage of it. Like, if you do have the pencil connected and paired, it, so many things could be so much better. It, it should be fantastic for, like, selecting text and stuff like that. And instead, it's it's not. It's actually All that stuff from the Microsoft's Courier demo from all those years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the other thing I've been – I tweeted over the weekend is I have found myself in the last week or so really wishing that I could do handwriting to text – because I'll be sitting on the couch with the iPad and I don't have a keyboard. All this talk of keyboards, you know, they're all in the kitchen <laughs> or in my office. And I'm just sitting there with nothing but the naked iPad and a pencil. And I want to, oh, somebody sent me something interesting on Twitter. I want to answer. I don't like typing on the screen on the iPad. I never have. And it's, if anything, I've gotten worse at it. Or I feel like I've gotten worse because I feel like... 10 years into this, 11 years, I guess, at this point, my thumb typing on an iPhone has gotten, continues to improve. Like, I'm better at typing on the iPhone than I ever have been. Part of it is that the phones have gotten bigger. The phone that I carry has gotten bigger. So the keyboard is a little bigger and there's bigger targets. And I've just gotten really good at it. I can't type on an iPad as fast as I can on my phone. And that is frustrating. I, I always feel, I feel like I'm trying to run underwater like i'm in the i'm in the pool and i'm trying to run and it's like that is not what you're supposed to do in a pool and so whether i actually would be faster if i could just write on screen and have it turn into text as i write like the newton did mm -hmm. whether that actually would be faster than typing on the on-screen keyboard or not it would feel faster to me which is really all that matters 
I wouldn't feel hamstrung. And I suspect I could handwrite faster than I can type on an iPad on the screen. So I really, I really wish that you could do that. And I, I and it's funny because I, I tweeted that and a bunch of people said, yeah, I wish you could do that too. Some people pointed to some third party keyboards. What the heck is this thing called? It's like called Mezic or something. I don't know. I just bought it. Um, but it's a third party keyboard for the iPad. And when you use this keyboard, you get like a little box where the keyboard is and you can write and it you know, with the pencil and it turns what you write to real text. Yeah. And it's the handwriting recognition is surprisingly accurate. I forget what it's, you know, some kind of third party thing that I guess the, the thing like, you know, that they licensed. Yeah. It's called magic M A Z E C. I mean, Apple does it with Asian language. Like you can write in Chinese and it'll recognize all the characters that you write. It just doesn't do it in Latin languages. Right. That's, and that's part of the frustration is that Apple supports it for Asian languages. They have it on the watch, Right. Yeah. Where you can write yes. on the watch and they won't do it on the device where to me it makes the most sense for, you know, in a Latin language, the iPad, if you have a pencil. Uh, and I, I can't help but suspect that part of Apple is gun shy from the whole Newton thing that mm, maybe, that yes. the bad reputation the Newton had as a that it had, uh, you know, the handwriting recognition was literally a joke. You know, the Simpsons made jokes. Doonesbury made a joke that everybody remember. Everybody remembers the jokes about, you know, eat up Martha more than they remember the Newton. And just the fact that the Newton itself is sort of, you know, because it got canceled unceremoniously, you know, and it was the right decision. And, and when he did it, Steve Jobs had good things to say about it. You know, he was like this, we're not canceling it because it's a bad product. We're canceling it because we've got to focus this company to save it. And focus means saying, doing things like killing the Newton, killing Open Doc, etc. But I feel like it still is a scar on Apple's corporate soul, right? Because it was a failure. Yeah. Ultimately, for whatever you know, it wasn't. It get it suffers from an unfair, bad reputation. It was a lot better product than people who didn't use it think. The handwriting recognition, in in fact, got really good. It like what they shipped originally should not have shipped. It was bad, <laughs> but what it eventually became was I think pretty good. I had, I had a, I think a Newton one thirty. I forget which one twenty or one thirty, And it was pretty good. It was fast enough. And the way that it turned what you write into text, the pace that it went at was just right. You could, I could write as fast as I could. Uh, you didn't have to use some weird, uh, made up, printing language like palm did with graffiti. Uh, and again, yes. I had a palm and I used it and I learned graffiti and you know, that, that it made it work, you know, and I, you know, my wife and I used to write notes to each other and we'd end up making our teas the weird graffiti way. Yes. Like, <laughs> like I'm not put slamming palm for that, but there's no way Apple would ever have done. It's just not something Apple would ever do is make you invent, make you learn a new way of writing. You know, the Apple ways you, they've got to somehow got to understand everybody's crazy handwriting. Uh, as it is, but boy, I would really like to do that in any yeah. text input thing. On, but when I have the pencil in my hand, it just seems so frustrating that you can't, you know, and they have the, you know, they, they have it on Mac too, right? It's called like inkwell or something. I don't yes. know if it, is it even still there? I think so. Yeah. I, but they, you know, they'll do handwriting to text on the Mac. They do it on the watch <laughs> and they do it in iOS on Asian languages, but they don't allow it for Latin languages. And you, for as good as the Newton got at handwriting recognition, what, 20 years ago, over 20 years ago, 
the, think about how much better it would be now on modern hardware. And um, uh, it certainly seems like something machine language would, you know, would make really good. Like you wouldn't, I don't even know if the right way to do the algorithm would be to come up with an algorithm at all. It might just be better to feed, yeah, feed it all into a machine learning and let the, let the computers figure it out. Yeah. It's just like the pencil is so much a pencil. It makes the iPad feel like it should be much more like a paper. Yeah. You can almost do anything you can with marking up paper with it. Yeah. And it does things too. Like if you start a note and just use the pencil and just write yeah. and it doesn't turn your handwriting to text, but it obviously is doing that behind the scenes because you can search for what you write. Yes. And it, it, in my experience, it is remarkably good and my handwriting is not good. And so, you know, that it, it's obviously doing handwriting to text because it's indexing it, but it won't actually just turn it to text. And yeah, they might be trying to keep it authentically hand. Like if they, they think that if you're handwriting, it should look like your handwriting, but it'd be nice to have the option to right. digitize well, it. Well, I get it in notes. I get that you might want your handwriting to stay handwriting in notes, but you know, like when I'm writing, a responding to somebody on Twitter or responding to yeah. email, I just want to write and have it turn into text. Exactly like Scribble on the watch. Yeah, exactly like that. Uh, just very frustrating to me because I know it's technically possible. I know Apple yeah. itself has solved this problem on ancient, ancient <laughs> ARM hardware. All the way from the first time they were using ARM back on yeah. the Newton. Uh, and I know that they could do way better today because the machines are so much faster and machine learning is a real thing. You know, they could, it, it's, it's very frustrating and it just feels, and I never had this feeling with the old Apple pencil and the iPad because I didn't have the pencil with me all the time. I, I, I never lost my pencil, but I, and I, you know, had a, I had like a system. I had a, you know, there's two places in my backpack where the pencil might be. Um, but it was always in, you know, this pencil spent most of its time in, in my backpack. Um, uh, whereas now it's always connected to the size of the side of the iPad and I've always got it. And yeah, it, it just feels frustrating. So that's one of my top frustrations with the iPad. It's like that Syracuse thing where it's finally good enough that you start wanting to sweat the details. Yeah, exactly. That is exactly how I feel about the pencil. Um, what about you? How are you feeling with the pencil? I love it. I'm using it. Uh, I, I did not mind the other one at all. You know, people made fun of it for having to stick out when you mm -hmm. charged it and things like that. But, you know, I would run out of pencil in a coffee shop or on a plane and it was a lifesaver just plugging it in and getting a bit more juice. So I was I was fine with it. But having it always I, I would lose pencils. I would leave them in different cities. I would leave them on planes. And it's just it's become a habit to slap it on top of the, the <laughs> iPad. And it's just it's always charged that way. I forget that it's actually an electrical device now because it's always there, always charged. I'm using it constantly. I put it back there anytime. I get up to get anything, uh, and it just it it went enough over the top of that curve that it's become almost almost like a real pencil at this yeah. point. It, it's uh, it's just a remarkably pleasant thing to hold in hand. It really is. I, I don't know. I, I'm I, I just can't say enough good things about it. I'm uh, vacillating on whether I want more of the sides to be flat because it feels more like mm -hmm. a standard pencil. I can rest my index finger on it like I would a standard pencil, but not my middle finger. And I'm used to having sort of flat edges on both sides. So it, I'm getting to that point of fussiness now. It is a little weird having it, it having one flat side. I can't recall ever having a pen or pencil with one flat side before. You know, I've either had like an oct octagon. Is that what a pencil is? Octagon or are they hexagon? A hexagon, I think. Yeah, probably hexagon. Octagon would be too many. Yeah. So either a traditional pencil that's a hexagon or something that's completely round 
like a pen. Like having one flat side is different, but it's not unpleasant. It, it shows you which side has to be connected for the yeah. charging to work. Yeah. And to, to, if you had more than that, you'd have to try to figure out which one. Yeah. So I get that. It just it yeah. just feels like an in-between thing to me right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny because everybody, and I've been you know, reading a bunch of reviews and listening to podcasts and everybody's talking about the iPad Pros. And I, I've heard, I haven't heard anybody say they don't like the new form factor of the iPad Pros. Everybody really loves the yeah. flat sides. Um, the only downside I can think of is Syracuse's observation that it makes it harder to pick up when it's naked and especially one handed. And that is, there is some truth to that. It's cause it is yeah. flat. And even with the camera bump, the camera bump, it, it, there is a weird tripod effect where it <laughs> you'd almost wish that the camera bump raised it more so that it'd be easier yeah. to pick up. But instead it somehow, even with a what looks like a very big camera bump, it still lies flat. <laughs> Yeah, my fingers were so stubby, I could never get them underneath an iPad yeah. anyway, so I just I haven't changed the way I pick yeah. it up at all, but that's valid. But it is funny. It's just neat. It, it looks better. I love the flat sides. Uh, I love the way it feels, but it's such a... I don't know what informed what, but it's such a... As a practical matter, to have the pencil magnetically attached like it does, you need flat sides. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's weird because when it, I was hoping that when the new iPads came out, we'd finally have this unified design language across Apple's mobile stuff the way we have with the MacBook mm-hmm. Air across Apple's computers. But now with this, I'm kind of not upset because I want more stuff to look like this again. Yeah. The pencil is so neat, too, because it is it is a computer, right? The Apple Pencil yeah. is a tiny little computer. And it is one of these things that it it's like the, one of the things that Apple does not get anywhere near enough credit for, in my opinion is how good they are getting at making tiny little computers. AirPods yeah. are yeah. tiny little computers. And the whole way that their two AirPods are always in perfect sync in one ear and the other is because they're two little computers that negotiate with each other and are like, you know, it, it, in less time than you could ever notice, they're, you know, A, B, A, B, A, B. Okay, we're in perfect sync. There you go. So this pencil is a computer, but it has no lights. It has no ports. It it doesn't. It, it, there's no sign that it's a computer. All the things that you think yeah. a computer has, click a, a button. Nope, doesn't have a button. Doesn't have a light. Doesn't have a port. I just it's a and computational I, object, which is what more and more of Apple things are becoming. Exactly. Except, and I love this. You snap it onto the iPad, and what do you get? You get a little on-screen, uh, a little uh, like a popover type thing that says Apple Pencil, and then it. Boop, tells you the battery life. Because that is one thing for me. I never had any idea how much battery life was in my old Apple Pencil. And when it ran out... of the widget. <laughs> when it ra- well, yeah, there were ways that you could check. And I knew about yeah. it. But I'd never, I would never no, think to check. No, it wasn't in your check. face, yeah. You know, whereas this, you never go to check. You just connect it. And it's like, okay, I see your Apple Pencil. And by the way, you're, it's got 93% battery life. And because it's a little computer, if you ever do forget and just put it down, it goes into a deep sleep mode to save mm-hmm. you power so that yeah, you can still yeah. use it when you pick it up again. It's remarkably clever. Yeah, it's, you know, it. It. I wonder how long it takes. I remember talking to Apple about that when, in a, a couple of weeks ago when I you know, had a briefing to talk about all this stuff. And that was one of the points they were super proud about is that the pencil, <laughs> the pencil knows. Like it, it's like a little, yes. uh, you know, anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic uh, item. It like knows when it's not being used. Yeah, they don't even talk about the same because when the with the previous version it was like it it'll fast charge to this point, it'll totally charge. And now they just don't want you to even think about charging anymore. They don't give you any numbers. Nope. It's just put it on your iPad and it will always be and it really like AirPods, it'll just always yep. be charged. Um the the nub nib, what do you call the tip? The tip, yeah, the nib the tip. is exactly the same. 
as yeah. the old Apple. And I don't know why. I don't know. You know, it, it's an it, to me, it's interesting that it's exactly the same because everything else is different and you can't use the old pencil with a new iPad and you can't use the new one with an old iPad, et cetera. So they could have changed the nib and it really wouldn't have mattered. It's not like it's I don't think there's anybody out there who's like stockpiled hundreds and hundreds of dollars of replacement tips. And, oh, thank God, all of, all of my <laughs> like replacement tips will still work. <laughs> but on the other hand, I can't think of any, you know, it, it, there's no reason not to use the same yeah, nib. There's like, no, re- no reason to change it. And they don't change for change's sake. Right. And so if you do have a stockpile of old Apple pencil nibs, you're in yeah. luck. Yeah. <laughs> they will all work. I just love this product. I really do. It's it's so clever, and that whole the whole thing from planning to execute. It's one of those things when people keep saying, you know, that was old. You know, Apple's doomed. Apple doesn't innovate anymore. You just look at some of the products that have come over the last few years and how smart they are, and how truly, again, like what they do with watch bands. The the whole watch industry never thought about making the kind of bands that were yeah. easily changeable or easily customizable. And there have been like, people have been making styluses and people have been making all these projects products for years. Wacom had a decade lead mm. on these things, and Apple just thought of stuff that in a decade never occurred to Wacom. Hold that thought on the watch bands. I am going to take another break here and thank our next sponsor, and it's our good friends. At Squarespace. Look, Squarespace, you guys know Squarespace. This is where you go all in one to build your website. You can do everything. Domain name, you can get your analytics, you can design, you can post. It is your CMS. So let's say you set up a website. Let's say all you do is you want to host a podcast. You can set up a thing on Squarespace, make your podcast. And then when you post new episodes, you do it through Squarespace. In addition to being your app that you use to design the website, it's also the app you use to post if it's a blog or a podcast or something like that with you know periodic content. Um, just a terrific, terrific thing. They have great customer service. They have a tremendous track record technically in terms of uptime and everything you know like that. And even though they help you, they get you started with a bunch of great, great templates and stuff like that to start with. It's not one of these things where, oh, you can always tell when you're on a Squarespace site because it's going to be one of these, you know, eight templates or something like that. It's the opposite. You use Squarespace sites every day and you have no idea because it's so easy to customize the design and get your own brand on that site and make it truly own it and make it yours. It's just unbelievable if you ever get nosy and start viewing source on websites and looking for, you know, the things in the headers that, that show that it's being hosted on Squarespace. It's unbelievable how many sites you visit on a daily basis are built and hosted on Squarespace. And you just never would know it visually because they don't look like cookie cutter sites. It's tremendous. It's, it's everything you would want in a all in one hosted website service. They have been sponsoring this show forever and people keep signing up and it's great. There are so many people who are you know listening to the show who have signed up and are Squarespace customers now. And that's why they keep sponsoring it. So you get a professional website looking professional website in terms of hosting and all the technical aspects and you get professional tech support if you ever get stuck or have a question about how to do something. You can get a free domain if you sign up for a year. Uh, so where do you go to find out more? Go to squarespace.com slash talk show, and then they'll know you came from the show. And uh, remember that code, talk show, know the, just T-A-L-K-S-H-O-W, and you get 10% off your first purchase. Now, you have to remember that code because when you sign up, you get a free trial for like 30 days. You can do everything. There's no limits. 30 days, free trial. Then you have to pay, 
And that's when you want to remember that coupon code talk show and you'll save 10%, including if you pay for a whole year, it's like getting two months for free or something like that. Uh, so my thanks to Squarespace for their continuing support of the talk show. Uh, go to squarespace.com slash talk show. All right. Watch bands. Here's a thought that popped into my head this week. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, Renee, but uh, last year Apple announced a product called AirPower. <laughs> yes, I've heard of it. And it's uh, a very appealing sounding product. <laughs> it's a charging pad that you could rest a uh, iPhone 8 or iPhone 10, uh, including the 10s and 10R on it, and it would charge. And you could... Uh, you could put your Apple Watch on it, and it would charge your Apple Watch. And uh, what else was it going to do? It, it was do up to two phones, the Apple Watch and the AirPods, with a special case. That's right, case. the AirPods. I can't believe I forgot that. So the AirPods uh, were going to – there was going to be a new case, and, and they didn't have exact plans at the time yeah. for what would the story be for people who already own AirPods. They didn't, they said, we don't know yet. We're, you know, we're thinking about it, but probably it would be something that, you know, people who already own AirPods could just buy the new case instead of buying $160 new AirPods. You could just buy the case and then you'd have this wireless case and then you just rest it on the thing and it would charge. Uh, well, it's, <laughs> it's about 14 months later and yes. And the air power is nowhere to be seen. Uh, Apple has held two events this past few months, and they've never mentioned it at either event. And in fact, after their September event introducing new phones, they almost eradicated all mention of it from Apple.com. But I, it's still on the instruction book for the 10s and the 10R, which is remarkable for me. It me. is. That is <laughs> it, the most prominent mention of AirPower in 2018 is in, <laughs> in the get it start, getting start. I think yep. you're the one who pointed that out on Twitter. At least you're the one who pointed it out that I noticed, which is rather remarkable. Uh, and you know that Apple pays an awful lot of yes. attention to the, like the things like the getting started guide that ships with iPhones. Um, everything in that box is so fully considered right up to the top levels of the company. Um, yeah. So that's deliberate. And, and it certainly is a suggestion that maybe it is still coming. Um, I do, I do not think it is coming in calendar year 2018 because as we record, it is November 18 yeah. and U S Thanksgiving holiday is this week. Um, which, you know, it, it it, it, I'm not, I don't know when Apple effectively shuts down, but it is not going to be, uh, you know, it's not the week to release new products. <laughs> There's only one December product I can remember, and that's the smart battery case for the iPhone 7. That's the only thing I can remember coming out into December. Right, and that's one of the weirdest products yes. in Apple history. It was, I loved it. It was because it was so quirky, and it was yeah. in so many ways a very good product. But it was very unusual, and it wasn't it was meant function over form, and it drove a lot of people crazy. For very much, it is truly, it is probably the most function over form device in the entire Johnny Ive era of Apple, yeah. uh, maybe even in Apple company history. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even know what else to compare it to. But it, you're right, though; it came out at a weird time. The original AirPods came out at a weird time. They weren't supposed yes. to. They were supposed to ship, you know, ideally probably alongside the iPhones that year, you know, in September or early October. And they, it, Apple even released at the time a, a statement. Um, I forget if it was given it to one outlet or, or what, 
but you know they had a, a brief press release that just said look uh, airpods are very difficult to manufacture and we're only going to release them when they're ready and they're not ready yet we're working as hard as we can and they'll be out you know as soon as we can and we think you're going to love them something like that um in other words they're late because they're hard to manufacture uh yeah. which you know the truth right it's you know yep. Uh, but they did end up start sh- dribbling into customers' hands in like mid December, uh, and it was hard to get them for Christmas. So in theory, you know, could Air Power ship silently, quietly in mid December or something, early December? It could. I'm not going to say it can't happen. I wouldn't say it's entirely unprecedented, but I don't. I would. I would bet that <laughs> it isn't going to happen. To me, it's either a 2019 thing or it is going to get killed. Yeah. Or, or, A, it'll come out exactly as described in sometime in 2019. Who knows, early or late yeah. or whatever. Uh, B, it is going to change and what they will ship is going to be different than what was shown last year. Or C, they're going to kill this thing. Yeah. And it's just never, they're just, <laughs> it's going to be something we just don't talk about. <laughs> we don't talk about air power. Yeah, it's it's interesting because there's a bunch of products I would have expected. Like I would have expected maybe the second generation AirPods, maybe the inductive case. I I know that's that's commingled with AirPower, but just they could have released um, wa- uh, sweat resistant AirPods if they'd wanted. Well, they, they they could have been on the agenda. We didn't get Coffee Lake updates for a bunch of the Mac nope. still. It's just it's very strange, sort of an end of the year vibe. Well, and I really do wonder uh, how that ties into. AirPods. Now, AirPods yeah. are along with the pencil, and I feel like they're almost like sibling products because they're, like I said 10 minutes ago, they're these tiny little computers that you would yeah. never think of as computers. And they're just such a joy to use. Uh, I, I, I'm st- I've never lost mine. I still have my f- original pair from whenever Same. they came out. Um, yeah. And my battery life on them is still tremendous. Um, I have, and it was funny this week. Um, at some point in the last week, I have I have the Pixel Three, and I have uh, I bought Apple's USB C to three point five millimeter yeah. headphone jack. Uh, I don't know why. Again, I just piss money away at the Apple store. It's like <laughs> oh nine dollars, I'll buy that. I, I bought yep. a, a USB C to headphone jack that I plan never to use, <laughs> just to see it. <laughs> so, just you know, to have one. Yeah, they didn't give me one with the. They didn't give any of the reviewers one with no. the things. So. Uh, I bought one and I have Google's and they both work everywhere. You know, I can plug, you know, there's no difference between them. They both, any device with any device I have with USB-C, a MacBook, an iPad Pro, my Pixel 3, I can plug either one into any of those USB-C jacks and put headphones in and it just works. The problem I had is I couldn't find a pair of headphones with a 3.5 millimeter jack. <laughs> I really couldn't. I, I, my, I used to, I, I had, I, I feel like I had hundreds of them Yes, because it's like with review units, Apple doesn't want the headphones back. They, I've, they've never actually told me this, but uh, you know, they don't come. I, I send the phones back. I don't send like yeah, the headphones same. back because what are they going to do with the old gross headphones? So yes. I, I had headphones from every iPad I've ever, or iPod, I'm sorry, iPod. Those are long gone though. Um, but in recent years, when Apple was still sh- shipping iPhones with a traditional headphone jack, I'd buy myself a phone every year. I would get a review unit starting with like around the iPhone 4 with Verizon. 
Uh, and then as the years went on, they'd started, you know, I'd get two review units because I'd have the big one and a small one. So I'd yeah. get like three a year and my wife would get a new iPhone every year. So we were like accumulating and my son has, you know, doesn't get an iPhone every year, but he had a couple, we had a whole stockpile a surplus of <laughs> Apple and my son has systematically destroyed them all. <laughs> <laughs> just, just just destroyed them by watching using them to watch youtube on his yeah. uh macbook or and or i guess sometimes pl plugging them into his phone um my wife has gone through a few because she there they were those airpod the old wired airpods were notoriously not sweatproof and yeah. she she destroyed some you know by using them at the gym um and we at our old house, we had kitchen chairs. And again, I don't know why the hell we didn't just throw the damn chairs out, but we had these kitchen chairs with two things that stuck up off the back, you know, sort of like a okay. stool size chair. And they had two things that stuck up the back that the only function of them was to snag headphone cables. <laughs> <laughs> and it would hurt. It would be like a day rip out of your ear. So she broke a few pairs. Um, but it's my son who's the main culprit. And I didn't even realize this. And and I would just, every time he'd like run low, he'd see like, dad, I need, you know, do you have any extra headphones? And I go down to my office and find, you know, go through my old uh, iPhone boxes. And yeah. th they were, I, I could open any, uh, there was a time when I could open any of those boxes and there it is inside a brand new, you know, never used pair of, of Apple Air, AirPods or uh, Air, AirPods. Earpods. Yeah. Um. I went down a couple of weeks ago and I start going through boxes and they're all gone. And I finally yeah. found one and it was one of the ones, remember when they used to ship in a really nice clear plastic case? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I gave them to him and I thought, I wonder where the rest of mine are. And then I spent some time this week and I realized they're all gone. And I gave, <laughs> I, I kind of regret giving him my last pair. It seems like something I, the pack rat in me wishes I'd yeah. kept one pair, but I, I went through all these boxes, dozens and dozens of phone boxes and they're all gone. So I couldn't, I had a hard time. I actually, I wound up, I, I didn't even test them with Apple Air, earbuds. I have a, uh, eventually was like, well, stop looking for those and find some other pair of headphones. Uh, and I have an old pair of Shure uh, yeah. over the ear, ear, things that they, they weren't noise canceling, but they, they like were sealing. So they were like my old years ago, airplane ear, earbuds. So I use those anyway. Uh, it was a long digression. <laughs> but anyway, the point of it <laughs> was it makes me wonder for all of my affection for AirPods. Everybody was sort of anticipating that there might be new ones this year. Yeah. And I wonder if the holdup is related to air power, that they, are, yeah. that they, they don't want to ship new AirPods without the new case. But they can't ship a case that advertises... <laughs> wireless charging with air power which isn't shipping yeah like what are you supposed to do buy a second mophie or just put them on the side of your ipad and hope for the best well yeah i don't think they're going to charge on the ipad no. magnetic part i'm almost certain they weren't going to charge and and apple was a little vague about this last year like what used chi the standard and yes. what was proprietary apple watch clearly doesn't use chi it uses its own proprietary inductive charging it's I've, Qi Plus. It's like Qi Plus. You can. I've had some people fool it by putting special magnets with a Qi charger, hmm. um, but it is cheap. It's sort of like Qi Plus Plus or something. Hmm. I get. I get that. And and I did. I do remember talking to people at Apple about it. And you know, they're never going to like. They're not going to explain yeah. the ex 
they're not going to tell you exactly what's in the secret sauce. But yeah, the idea that it was cheap plus was sort of the explanation. And even publicly, I think when when Schiller introduced it, he even said that you know, look, we're using the cheese standard. We've come, we we want to do things the cheese standard doesn't support, and so yeah. we've we've made these. But we want to contribute those things back to the standards group. Um, you know that they weren't hope they weren't trying to keep it proprietary. They just needed to do things that had to be proprietary because the sticking to the standards wouldn't wouldn't allow it to yeah. work. So I can't help but think though that the the lightning, uh, not lightning the uh, the non lightning the AirPods that charge inductively we're not using the chi standard that it would be like the watch like chi plus because i don't think something that small can use the chi standard yeah um but anyway it makes me wonder interesting isn't it crazy though to think that the airpods have been held up by a totally unrelated not unrelated but yeah totally separate pro- i mean I, who knows i don't know well then but if they shipped airpods too and then three months later shipped air power you have to buy a new case for your airpods too and then people get upset again and yeah well, and did you see that there was a rumor this week that uh, somebody, some supply chain leaker who had a photo of a bunch of supposedly new Air, AirPod cases, yeah, um, says that it's still going to ship in 2018, the Air, AirPod 2? Yeah, I mean, again, like we've had December stuff, but it's just rare, and I think it's super inconvenient for holiday shoppers. Well, yeah, and, you know, and I, I said, you know, I pointed out that, like, hey, a lot of people have already started buying gifts. Yeah. It goes into high gear the day after Thanksgiving next week. That's Black Friday, you know, the day when people go absolutely nuts buying stuff. So how many, you know, I don't know, millions? I don't know if millions might be too big a number, but hundreds and hundreds of thousands of AirPods will be purchased. And then if Apple comes out with new ones in December, uh, I mean, and people point out, well, you know, they have a very generous holiday return policy, you know, where you can buy a holiday gift for somebody in mid-November and they don't, because they don't get it till, you know, December 25th or something like that, they can take it back in January and, there's, yeah. you know, no questions asked. So anybody who got old AirPods and new AirPods come out could exchange them, but that's a pain in the butt, right? I mean, nobody yes. likes, like, <laughs> you know, here's your cool. It's expensive for Apple. Right. It's very expensive for Apple. Like, why would Apple want to do this? Why would they want angry customers and why would they want to deal with the expense of all these return things? Like in theory, if they could have shipped a new second generation AirPods this year, the latest I think they could have done it would be to announce them at the October end of October event and say whether they were ready to ship at that moment or not, say they're coming, you know, in the next few weeks and then everybody would know to wait. And if sales of existing AirPods plummet because everybody's waiting, it's all good because, you know, Apple is going to get the money when they buy them when they shipped anyway. So it doesn't and matter. Apple would have known that and they would have ramped down hard on AirPod production and preparation for it. Right. I just can't help but think that, and I, you can't help but think that they would have had them ready to give to reviewers too. Because like, you know, back when yeah. the original AirPods shipped, they had p- prototype AirPods. They didn't look like prototypes. They looked identical. Yeah. Um, but, or, Pre-production, I guess, would be a better way to put it, not prototype. Pre-production AirPods that looked like the production ones, but the production ones weren't ready, but they gave them to us to review in September. They would have done that, yeah. too, I would think. And there's a huge... Like, it doesn't look like there's any lack of supply. There's a huge supply and a bunch of different discounts at different retailers. So they look they look stocked for right. the holidays. So I, it just seems to me like people... And, and I just know it. I asked on Twitter weeks ago, months ago, I forget what at this point. Like, hey, you know, the quick Twitter poll... How many people 
are thinking about buying AirPods, either your first pair or a new pair, but aren't because you're holding off for a next generation. And it was, you know, it, my followers are not really indicative of the world at large, but yeah. at least among my followers, yeah, there were like lots and lots of people who were like, yeah, that's me. Uh, I either want to get my first pair or I need to buy a replacement pair and I'm waiting <laughs> and they're yeah. waiting and waiting and waiting. Yeah. It's a very weird situation for a terrific, terrific product, right? I feel like it's in this weird neverland. And I can't, and it popped into my head this week as something to really think about because of the joy of charging the pencil wirelessly. Yeah. Like charging the AirPods isn't onerous, right? Because I have lightning cables all over the place. And so you just stick them into lightning every once in a while when you think about it. Um, but man, having a mat where you could put them would be even better because then they'd always be charged. It's sort of this is a complete tangent, but it's I keep getting asked: Is it safe to buy iMacs? Because it's safe to buy mm. it before September. No, is it safe to buy it before October? Because people want a new iMac, but the Coffee Lake ones aren't out yet, and it seems like they could come out at any minute. So people hesitate, and then they wait, and then when is it finally safe? Because Apple's not going to update right. them, and it just it becomes a whole thing. Yeah, I wouldn't buy an iMac right now. I, I probably wouldn't. If I needed it, I probably wouldn't hesitate to buy an iMac Pro, even though they're like yeah. a year old. But you know, if you need it, if you need it, you need it. I wouldn't buy a regular iMac though. And Xeons are on. A, I think the Xeons are still Skylake. They're on a whole different yeah. schedule. Yeah, it's well Intel. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Those poor bastards. <laughs> I know. Um, I've, I've joked about this, but literally every time I wake, I go to sleep. I am afraid that I'll wake up and there'll be a new Lake uh, optimization cycle inserted before Canon Lake again. <laughs> I, I can't it's like there's whiskey lake and amber lake and ice I lake and, i can't bear to pay attention to it anymore i really can't it's it it doesn't pay to pay attention because it never no. it never turns out the way that that it said it's they, gotten painful they they never hit their roadmap their roadmap might no. as well be like uh the, the map to mordor in the beginning of the lord of the rings it's fictional it's, right it's the second movie, they still haven't gotten there yet yeah it's just made up and they <laughs> and they never get there Anyway, I want, the, one, the other thing I wanted to think about, and this popped into my head this week, is with, you were talking about watch bands before. Yeah. And my favorite, if I could only use one Apple watch band, if I had to pick one, and that's, you know, it's never coming off the Apple watch that I wear, it would be the woven nylon band. Yeah. Uh, I find that to be the best combination of comfortable, and I like the way it looks, I like the way it feels, I like everything about it. Um, it's the track pants of watch bands. I watch just, bands. I love it. I just love, I know. And I'm a fan of, you know, NATO style, uh, yeah. watch straps on my, you know, traditional watches too. I just like the look. Um, but curiously to me in the fall 2018, you know, fashion lineup of new watch straps, the woven nylon ones are out of the lineup. Um, you can yeah. buy them, but they're like, you know, like secondhand stuff on eBay or, or whatever. The loops are still there, but the buckles are all gone. Yep. So the, the, they've seemingly at the sporty, um, sporty end of the market. Other than the, you know, the 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 what would you yeah, call the it? Mark the Mark Newsome sport band. Yeah. band. The rubber rubbery yeah. default band. Floroelastomer. <laughs> Floroelastomer. I thank you for thinking of that. Um, <laughs> you know, the one that is the iconic Apple Watch yeah. strap. Uh, the sport loop, I think, is what they call it. The Velcro one is the yes. That's the that's you know, and it's been around. You know, they came out with that last year, but at this point, it is sort of like the at the sporty end of Apple's lineup. That's that's 
That's the one. Um, at the premium end, ignoring the Hermes stuff, at the yeah. premium end, I feel like the one that's the most popular, and I also feel like Apple is pushing it, and I feel like they're pushing it because it's popular, is the Milanese loop. Yes. Um, and I just happen to see it. When I see somebody with a stainless steel Apple Watch, uh, more often than not, male or female, it's it's often with the Milanese. Um, yeah, absolutely. It seems very popular. My wife swears by it, absolutely adores the Milanese. Um, the curious thing to me, though, is with the Milanese and the Velcro sport loop, they're both closed loops. So when you take yes. them off, they remain a loop, which I think wouldn't work with air power as described. Yeah. Like air power to me was described as you'd have to put the watch, you know, the way that you, you know, the, the back ceramic back of the watch has to touch the pad. Yeah. So I find that very curious that the, the watch straps that Apple is pushing the most this year are seemingly ones that are not compatible with using it with the air power. Yeah. And there was no indication like when, when Apple put out the previous charger, um, they had a, they, you could always get the cable that came with the watch, but they made their own right. charging disc and you could push up the middle of yep. it to become vertical so that yep. you could put the loops on. And this yep. one had no such provisions. Right. Right. And that's, in fact, we have one in our bedroom because like I said, my wife is a devoted fan of the Milanese and yep. it's, you know, having that, that pad that has the pop-up thing so you can put it on sideways is the only way to do it. Um, and you know me, I like, I have the, um, the, I actually have it on today, the, uh, link bracelet, yes. which Apple seemingly has sort of quietly, uh, I don't think they haven't discontinued it. You can still buy it, but they've, um, de-emphasized it. Yeah. And they didn't make the gold version like they did for the Milanese. No, there is no, there is no gold. Yeah. There's a, there's a, the, whatever the 2018 gold shade is, <laughs> 2018 Apple gold stainless steel has a Milanese and does not have a corresponding link bracelet. Yep. So I don't know what the deal is with that, but the link bracelet certainly wouldn't work on the air power without disconnecting the link. You know, there's a, it's not too tricky to do. It's part of the genius of Apple's link design that you can break out of the loop, but you don't want to do that every day. Well, I have the cuff. Well, the first Hermes watch that came with the cuff, and that was only out for the first mm -hmm. generation, and they haven't repeated it. Uh, and unless you use the cable charger, you can't put it on the disc because right. the, there's too much leather. Right. And you can't put it on the stand. It just doesn't work anyway, and I'd have to pull it off right. every time. And I think that's probably why they didn't continue it. Yeah, there's. it just sort of seems like you know the balance between, hey, we have some cool ideas for bands and straps, and... About, you know, we have certain needs for how to charge this thing aren't haven't always been compatible is basically yes. what I see. And yeah. the other thought that pops into my head is and I know I don't think air power is secretly, you know, better than it was promised. I'm sure. I mean, this is years in the future. But my pet bugaboo about calling inductive charging wireless charging when it has to be in contact Whereas yes. in theory, true wireless charging, where the charging would work the way the way that Wi-Fi is truly wireless networking, yes, would be fantastic for the watch. Even if it, you know, the, again, even if the range was just you know six inches, that would be yep. great. Though you could just put a charger on your you know drawer, or your dresser, or something like that, and then just put the watch within a foot or something like that, and have it charged. That would be fantastic. I mean, Qualcomm, if a bunch of companies have patents for that, like just like they have patents for inductive charging through metal, but having a patent and actually getting a product on market that works yeah. 
so different. Yeah. Don't you think too, I, I would like to think that if, if air power ever actually does ship, I would like to think that the Apple pencil could charge on it too, but maybe I was not wondering about that. Yeah. Right. But maybe not because of the magnets. Like I don't think air power has the magnets, but I guess they're somehow getting over that with the watch, right? The watch. Yeah. The wa- yeah. You know, well, that's probably the complexity is that they right. need to, it's not just that they have to take three very different power profiles, but three different right. connection methodologies. Right. Yeah, and you know, with the watch chargers, whether it's a sta- you know, they're all the same. The actual yeah. charging part, whether it's the pad or you know, the, just the the circle, the disc at the end of a cable, they all precisely align. You connect it, you know, you you get it near the back of your watch, and the magnets snap it right into place perfectly. And when you put the pencil on top of your iPad, it snaps perfectly yes. into place. It wants to be in the right position. So those hallback arrays—they're just so yeah. so happy with those. It's like Death Star tractor beams. I don't know how they uh, if, but if all these things need these, yeah, tractor beams to get the magnetic tractor beams to get everything precisely aligned. I have no idea how air power was ever going to work. Like I honestly, I don't have any real inside info on this other than whispers that boy, this this product this this product has had a lot of problems, you know, and yeah. and should not have been promised when it was it wasn't in a state to be delivered when they thought it was going to be. Somebody gave a very optimistic <laughs> estimation of. Ah, we've got the X, Y, and Z problems to solve, but we can do it. We're Apple. Yeah. And X, yeah. Y, and Z, well, well, we're really hard. My understanding is that it had three zones, and you could put any of the products onto those three zones. Um, and then it was supposed to just handle yes. the, the magnetics. and the. Th- but you could only put two phones. You couldn't put three phones, which I guess was a limit of the power of the overall device yes, to charge. Yes, I, I believe that was true, too. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it was supposed to just have the different size coils and positioning so that you didn't have to be too fussy with the phones. But the watch and the cases would adjust, would lock into place. But that anything that you're not in charge of implementing is super easy to do. Yeah. So it probably all fell apart in the actual implementation. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the heck is going on. I think it's such a weird... And if they had never announced it, if they had just never announced AirPower, I feel like people would feel so much better about buying like new AirPods today. Even I, though I, I know my- I know there are other features that are supposedly coming to new AirPods, like noise cancellation and and always on Hey Siri listening, so you don't have to tap your ears. You know, I'm sure there's all sorts of cool ideas they could have for AirPods. It's not just the charging case, but I feel like it's that charging case that's keeping people from buying AirPods now. And I think you heard this too, but my understanding was it was it was supposed to be like this Halo product, the same way that AirPods were with the lack of a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack to show Apple's commitment, mm. like a little bit of strutting, but to show their commitment to the technology. And this was just supposed to highlight that they were doing inductive charging, but they were super committed to not only doing it, but making it useful and pushing it forward. Yeah. Yeah. No, I heard that too. It, it is a, one of the strangest products in my yeah. in my career following Apple, just in terms of how weird it is for them to announce something and then be unable to ship it. I mean, even yeah. the only other thing I can think of that was quite like this was the white iPod, I, iPhone 4. Yeah. Was it the iPhone 4 or the 3GS? The, I think it was the, the 4. The 4, yeah, because right. they couldn't get the, the glass, um, was object, it was obstructing the sensors yeah. initially. It was very strange, and it ended up not shipping until, it, that was when the phones were like, coming out at WWDC in June, or at least they were yes. announced there, and then they'd ship it like the end of June, and it didn't even come out until like May. So it was like six weeks yeah. before before people thought maybe the iPhone 4S would come out. Now, the iPhone 4S yeah. didn't come out in June of that year because that was the one that was that changed to a fall schedule. But still, uh, 11 months after it was announced is a very strange delay. 
Yeah, it's the only other thing I can think of is when Steve Jobs did that statement about the Intel Switch when he said, you know, we've wanted to be able to give you the Power mm-hmm. Mac with the, with the G4, and we wanted to be able to give you the Power Book with the G4, and then we just haven't been able to do it. All right, moving on. How about this? I, I, the iPad OS argument in terms of... Yes. And this... <laughs> uh, Merlin and I talked about it last week on this show, uh, and there's a lot of people who were like, yes, everything you guys said is what drives me nuts. This OS is just not meant for multitasking. And, you know, like St- Stephen Troughton Smith, who loves the iPad and multitasking, yeah. like tweeted, he was listening to our show and just felt like he was listening to two guys from 20 years ago talk about how the, you know, GUI is never going to take over the command line. <laughs> And I, I get it. And that's why I try not to be – I really try to keep as open a mind as I can. But, man, the more I dig into it, the more frustrated I get with multitasking on the iPad. There are some crazy, mm-hmm. crazy things. And, again, I'm coming at it from the perspective of someone who generally is thinking about it with – at least when I'm multitasking, when I have two things on screen, it's with the keyboard I'm using too. And the way Command-Tab works on the iPad is insane. Yes. It is it, – yeah. it, 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 it should be as an operating system interface. It should be committed. It is. It is insane. Like, <laughs> but like, all right. So if you have messages on screen, full screen, and then you go to your dock and you drag notes out of the dock to do multitasking, and you make it a split screen thing, and now you've got messages on one side and notes on the other. When you go to Command Tab, notes doesn't show up in the Command Tab switcher because you didn't yeah. you didn't tap it to launch it. You dragged it out of the dock into multitasking. So it doesn't register in the command tab switcher. You just, you go to command tab. Here's a list of your most recently used apps. And the one you just opened notes, the one you might've just been typing in right now, the one that might currently have input focus from the keyboard doesn't show up. It's insane. Registered with the system. It's absolutely insane. It's not a bug. It, it, it seems like a bug, but when you, you watch it, it's very, it's deterministic. It's because you didn't tap it to launch it. It's because you dragged it out of the dock. Yeah. But that's, that's insane. It's that a is, huge oversight. It's not a bug, but it's a huge oversight. And there's a completely different app switcher when you use your finger and drag up and go to, you know, the, yeah. the overview where it's like lists, mission control. Yeah. It, it's insane that there's a, there's one, switcher for using your finger to swipe up to get to and a completely different switcher in a completely different order when you do command tab like command tab should obviously bring up the same thing you get when you swipe up from the bottom it's insane and you could just see like uh so i uh, there's this huge problem in tech support and i've talked about this before is that people tend to tell you solutions they want rather than problems that they have and you might have way better ways of solving their problems than mm-hmm. just listening to their endless list of solutions and this is sort of that it's like you know let's just give the computer people command tab you know they're used to it from the mac we'll just do it and that's always the wrong answer and yet it's super frustrating when it takes 3 years for copy paste and 10 years effectively for drag and drop but when they actually do go and and take the same problem and come to an iPad native solution, it always works better than when they try to transplant something from the Mac into iOS. And there's all sorts of ways, like sometimes if you have keyboard focus in an app and then you command tab away and then you command tab back, the focus sometimes, sometimes it's still there and sometimes it's gone and you have to tap again where you want to be typing. Like, that's insane. It is. And you can't just change focus. Like if you're on the keyboard, there's no way to change focus between the two apps that you're using. No. <laughs> 
even though they're both right there. Yeah. It is so clearly, it, it, it makes a lot of sense when you're hand holding the iPad and you're entirely using the touchscreen. Yeah. It makes some sense. I don't think it's a great multitasking system. I don't think the interface for having two things on screen at once is that I don't like it. I, th I really hope Apple has a serious, you know, these rumors that iOS 12 was going to have a major iPad interface change for power users. And it got scuttled on the basis of, hey, let's just focus iOS 12 on being faster and more st stable and punt a year on this. You know, there's rampant rumors that that was true. Um, so I know everybody, every podcasting universe is talking about their ideas, their hopes. Well, the for engineers it. that you would imagine would be working on that were retasked to work on the performance, and they can't do both at the same right. time. <laughs> so you know, who knows what they have in mind? My hope would be that this would be a lot more of a rethink than just adding more on. I really kind of, I would like to. But on the other hand, I know there's people who love it. Say they love it, <laughs> at least the way it is, and you can't yank that away. I don't think. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, they've they've changed so many. They completely changed the way that it worked. I think it was on iOS 10, and people had no idea how to pull apps onto the side anymore. So I think they're, it's new enough that you can still mess around with it. But mm -hmm. uh, get, getting it to that point uh, for me is super interesting because you, when they did the Apple Watch, they didn't just transplant Springboard. I mean, they made they made the carousel interface, but that's been buried over time, and it's sort of like you can't take the. Mm -hmm. You can't take the the uh, expectations you have from an iPhone and just put them on every device size. And with the Apple TV, yeah, it still has that, I forget what they call it, uh, pine board or headboard yeah. uh, that looks like icons. But really, they're moving you towards the TV app interface because that's better. And the iPod is the worst offender with this in that it really did just have a big iPhone interface when it's clearly not suited to the big screen. And it hasn't had the benefit of getting its own interface layer the way the watch has or the, or the TV has, and it feels past you. Yeah, it really does. And and when you have a keyboard connected is when, to me, it really shows. I, it's, it can be very, very frustrating at times with the diff, you know, the inability to control input focus and stuff like that. Just give me like Quicksilver or Alfred where I'm t I type twit, uh, tweet at John Gruber at yeah. lunch today and it just does it all. I mean, like Palms had that. Blackberry's had that. It's an understand, understandable paradigm. It is true. Spotlight is a lifesaver for launching apps on the iPad because you yeah. can't you still can't like they do have a command H. I think that this is follow up from a couple of weeks ago. I, I think I might have misspoken on the show and said that there's no way to go home on a keyboard. And except for some of these third-party keyboards that have a home button. Like, yeah. some of the third-party keyboards have an actual, like, old-school, you know, remember when iPhones had home buttons? Yeah. <laughs> and iPads? <laughs> they have a home button. But uh, Command-H works. Uh, if not everywhere, it should work everywhere in terms of you can always go home. But then once you go home and you're on the keyboard, there's nothing... <laughs> There's nothing you could do. You can't arrow yeah. around to select icons. And again, like there's Focus UI on the Apple TV that lets you use a Siri remote to to select right. things in, on iOS, but where it would make sense on the on the iPad, it's not there. Yeah. yeah, it really would to me is to be able to go home and then you. What I would like to be able to do is make it more like a lot more like the Finder, where you can maybe by default you go home there is no selection but then as soon as you start touching arrow keys it would make a selection and it would make the selection by popping it up off the screen like apple yeah. tv and then you could go left to go left across the grid you could go down to go down and then you could type the first letter of an app that's on screen right now and it would jump to that app so if i type p it would highlight p calc and it would pop off the screen like i, I don't understand why you can't do that 
Like the Mac? Or like they have the minus one home screen. They've had it for a while in iOS when you swipe to the side and it's yeah. got a text field where you can start typing search terms. It's got uh, machine learned app recommendations, which are likely the apps you're going to want to use. And it's got a bunch of informational widgets that present you with, with the things that it believes are the most important right now. And it feels like if you just start sliding that over to yeah. be the default home screen and let me page over to a set of apps if I really want to, I would, I would be a lot faster on the iPad. Yeah, so the interface that does work best on with the keyboard is command space to go to spotlight because you yeah. can just start typing and you can use the arrow keys afterwards to select things from the results. So if I do command space and type S A F, I get Safari. Yep. You know. So spotlight. And imagine you could type your shortcut names right into there and just start executing things. Spot yeah, that would be nice. That would be like the modern command line. Yeah. So spotlight is very nicely hooked up to the keyboard but it only just exacerbates how much else of the os isn't you know it 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 all feels very tacked on in my opinion like it needs a lot of love and it really shouldn't feel like a a big iphone you know it's it it, it's too many and we're too many years into this right it's it's and it the there's no excuse because the oh the iPad's still new or whatever. It's not new. Yeah. I mean, for God's sake, Steve Jobs uh, yes. showed it off. I mean, it's eight years old. When the Mac was eight years old, it was 1992, and the Mac was yeah. you know it had a, an incredibly rich ecosystem of apps and industries. Like the entire graphic design industry had had to, in eight years, yeah. the entire graphic design industry and printing industry had completely switched to a, a Macintosh based, uh, workflow for designers to printing. And, you know, it, 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 it whole industries went around it and the, and the interface conventions were the same. Like it wasn't like, Oh, but to get powerful stuff like Photoshop and illustrator and quirk, we've got to really rethink the OS at a fundamental level. No, the OS at a fundamental level was exactly the same as 1984. I mean, I they added the things, issues, but it, it, the, I, the, the basic concepts were the same. I think one of the issues is Apple TV has a whole org under Eddie Q that just works on, on Apple TV interface and watch has a whole group of people under um, Jeff Williams and Kevin mm-hmm. Lynch that just work on the watch, but there is no iPad group effectively. There's no like, yeah. yes, you are the people in charge of iPhone interface and, and springboard and all. There's just a springboard team. And a lot of the time their attention gets sucked into iPhone because that's, that's where all the money and the volume is. Yeah. And I wrote about this. I, I really, I wrote about it in the context of Apple's quarterly results and how, you know, that, how the Macintosh out, out revenued <laughs> to make up a verb, yeah. the iPad. Uh, you know, iPad sold more units, but the Mac made more money. And, you know, that warms my heart as a guy whose, you know, favorite platform of all of Apple's is the Mac. But for all the consternation out there among Mac people who are worried that, quote unquote, Tim Cook wants everybody to just use an iPad for everything and that the Mac is going to be phased out and the, you know, that they're just going to have this one iOS platform and everything will be running, you know. You know, the future of the iMac is a giant 30-inch iPad or something. For all of that consternation and all of Apple's, hey, the Mac isn't going anywhere. You know, the the big uh, Craig Federighi slide at WWDC. Are we going to merge these two platforms? No. (laughs) Right? Like giant 80-foot letters and a period. (laughs) Yeah. I I almost feel looking at this and really studying the iPad's interface as a, you know, trying to get it, trying to be as much of a power user as I can. 
I honestly feel if anybody should be worried, it's the iPad people. Because it's the iPad that's not getting the love. And I know there's so many people who think that Apple doesn't show enough attention to the Mac and, and you know, it's the, it, it's overlooked in favor of the iPhone. I think the iPad has suffered way more from Apple's, look, the phone is first. Phone is, you know, the most, the most money, the most users, the most important. It's the iPad that suffered more than the Mac. Because if the Mac has gotten less attention than we might hope engineering and design-wise, it's already good it doesn't need yeah it doesn't need major changes whereas the ipad really needs help conceptually the ipad gets a lot of hardware attention not as much software attention and the max feels vice versa right and that that is a perfect that is so true and that is exactly what is like in my head using this remarkable ipad pro computing device this this device put aside the user interface the actual hardware is just, it continues to just amaze me. Like I don't, I, I, I worry sometimes if I, you know, I don't want to be too effusive in a review. If, 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 if I'm reviewing this thing and, and I feel like, man, I just have good things to say about this. Am I, what am I missing? Right. But it, it, I almost feel like in my review of the iPad pro, I undersold how great the hardware is. It, it's I truly only reviewed remarkable. the hardware, and I got a lot of criticism for not having enough negatives, but I think yeah. that's because I just didn't touch on the software at all. I touched a little, but I, I sort of brushed it aside, and I think I got some of the same criticism, too, because it just – it is what it, it is. It's not a story. New. Yeah, iOS 12 didn't change. Right. It's not new. Like that's The, the story is that it didn't get the love that we were hoping yeah. it would get in terms of productivity features and uh, uh, more sensible ways to be able to arrange multiple apps on screen and stuff like that. Because when you think about it, with the iPhone introduction, yes, they've already introduced the iOS, the version of iOS at WWDC, but there's inevitably features that are unique to the hardware that, that get announced alongside it. And this iPad didn't have that. It's not like it's a brand new iPad with Edge to Edge, and we're announcing this new software stuff that goes with it. I, I just, there's so many little things. I'm so frustrated. I, I, they've over like in the way that on the phone, I just love the new gestures for getting around yeah. the system. I just love it, and I never, I never think about it. Um. And the phone on the iPad, it's so overloaded in terms of a little bit gets you, you know, I, I, if I'm not being very careful, almost like surgically approaching how I raise my finger from the bottom of the screen to get exactly what I want, I end up going home when what I wanted to was to yeah. bring up the dock. I, I, I can do it on purpose. Like if you bet me, remember that, uh, <laughs> The uh, actually, I wouldn't want to take this bet now that I think about it. But remember the the Tarantino short film in the 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 what was that movie where they took place in a hotel and the bet was you could light the guy could oh. light his lighter ten times in a row, otherwise he'd lose a finger. Yeah, uh, Three Rooms was the name of the yeah. movie, and Tarantino's uh, like, would I want to bet my finger that I could get the doc to come up and not go home? No, I wouldn't bet a finger. No. I would bet $100. I would bet that I could, if I'm very careful, if I got to be as careful as I wanted to, uh, could I make the iPad dock come up and not go home? Yeah, I just did it very carefully and it was I got it. But yeah. when I'm not thinking about it, when I just sort of raise my finger a little bit, which is what my mindset when I'm working, when I'm in the flow, yeah. right? I, I'm always going home when I wanted to just raise the dock. And that's... It's not hard to go back, but it's like jarring if you're writing in notes and you're on in the flow and you're writing and like, yeah. well, I quick want to bring something up. And then all of a sudden your notes app is gone. It's and very God help jarring. You want to get to that mission control screen. So you got to pull it up and not go yeah. home, but then pull yeah. it up a second time yeah. and still not go home. You really, it requires surgical precision. I, and that's, that's, 
bad. I mean, it's I don't massively know how it's gesture same. overloaded. Right. I I find it so like when you bring up an app and and you know there's two ways to bring up a second app. You can you can lock it in as like okay, it's either half or a third of the screen and it's locked in yep. or it's floating over the other app like temporarily. Sometimes I can just flick that app away, and sometimes it's like there's it it it's like there's no way to flick it away. I don't know why. I don't I don't understand. It's like last time I had this, I had the notes up temporarily. I just flicked it off to the side, and it disappeared. Now it won't go away, and yeah. I the only way I can make it go away is to lock it into the screen permanently, and then drag the divider between the two apps to make it go away. Whereas, like to close a window on the Mac, I'm never confused. I just hit Command W or I click the red button. That's it. I don't know. I, I feel like uh, I don't know. I I feel like everybody should agree that the iPad needs major UI help for multitasking and serious use. And we can obviously disagree on just what that would be. And it's obviously a big. There is no obvious solution, in my opinion. It's going to require Apple to do what what we like Apple to do best, which is come up with innovative new user interface ideas. Well, my thing, like, and I wrote about this back in 2015, is that I just want there to be a team that does PadOS the way there's a team that does mm-hmm. WatchOS and I a t- team that yep. does, because then they have to have deliverables every year. If mm-hmm. it's just iOS, it can it can go back and forth between two different devices, which isn't really fair to either of them. Yeah, and that kind of comes back to the point of convergence and that people somehow, it, it sounds great to say that everything should converge to one OS and it would just look different, whether it's a laptop or a tablet or a phone that sounds great. And it's, it, it, there's a, you know, a certain appeal to the sound of that idea, but in practice, I don't think that's ever a good idea. And if anything, I think they should, what's the opposite of, they should dive divergence, <laughs> right? I, I would, I, I would rather see iPad break off into pad OS or whatever they would call it. iPad OS, um, then, then continue on the current path. I would rather. And it's not an absolute. I mean, like right now, spring, like Springboard is just a layer. Like Backboard, I believe, is right. remarkably similar between the different ones. CoreOS is the same between Mac and iOS on many occasions. And you can have all this infrastructure that is identical and compatible and provides continuity and all the and extensibility and all the features that you want, and then just have a team working on those presentation layers yeah. on top of them. And you know, I'm not asking for them to turn the iPad into macOS. You know, I, yeah. it, it's that would, there's no. Point we already have Mac OS and I, you know, I love in principle, I love the idea of not having windows. Uh, everything is in a window that, you know, cause windows having a bunch of windows on screen can get fiddly and they yeah. don't quite line up, you know, uh, neatly the, the way that, you know, like effectively a tiling system where everything is either full screen or half screen or a third screen and it's all nice and neat and everything is full height and you don't have, uh, you know, it's like, look, here's a window that's about 20 pixels too short as yeah. to be full height. I guess I'll fix it because I want, you know, the, the, this minor, you know, <laughs> low grade OCD wants the extra, you know, pixels. It, it's nice that everything snaps into place, you know, in principle. <laughs> in practice, boy, it's tough to beat a windowing system. I would just argue that like a lot of people just want to solve iPad by by like they just say just give it Finder and they want to they they are Mac users whose only conception or understanding of how to improve the iPad is because they're Mac users so that's entire frame of reference but the best thing about iPad to me is that it issues the baggage 
of OS 10. It keeps all mm-hmm. of the a lot of the foundational parts, but it's a fresh start to computing because there were a lot of really bad decisions that were made in Unix over the years because the people building it were computer scientists and not right. human interface people. And it's most for most people. And I think one of the biggest problems that we had at the um, iPad event at the, at the October event is that Apple put up this slide of iPad sales versus laptop sales, and a bunch of people said, "Oh, look, it is a laptop." Instead of saying, yeah. "Oh, look, how many people are buying the iPad because it is not a laptop." Yeah. And there's this huge market of people for whom computers are still crypto crazy stuff that they just cannot relate to. And it's good that we're rethinking all these things. It's just we're rethinking them way too slowly. Yeah. And I, I feel like the iPad is best for the most people, to yes. be honest, when it's and but I think it's at its best when it's used the most simply. My wife is a devout iPad user, spends way more time on her iPad than phone and Mac combined. And she doesn't even know how multitasking works. I mean, she lives with me. She knows it is a thing and she has no interest in it. She goes home. She wants to do mail. She taps mail. Mail takes up the full screen. She wants to go back to Safari and she goes home and taps Safari and goes to Safari. And that simplicity, the way I see people and I know, I know that, you know, Stephen Trout Smith's probably going to tweet at me because of this episode. I know he's using it. And I know Federico's using it. Yeah. And I know Snell is doing some fancy stuff with it. But I actually think if you look at it, the people who are using the making the most use of the multitasking and who swear by it are some of the most advanced users. <laughs> I know they're, they're, yeah. you know, they're the power users among power users. And I almost feel like the iPad is like, it's like two polars. There's the, the simple use of iPad where it really shines and it's just one app at a time on screen, like a big phone and people freaking love it. And then there's the multitasking stuff and it's so weird and fiddly and conceptually non-obvious that it only, the only people who use it are some of the most advanced users on the planet. I think there's a third group and you know, it's, it's, and I've talked about this before, but like anyone who lives in a village north of you is a northerner. It doesn't yeah. matter how far north they are. <laughs> yes. Anyone who does similar work to you or more complicated work in your mind is is a pro. And anybody yeah. who does anything else is not a pro. And yeah. if like if Vitici can use an iPad, he's obviously not a pro. And then if you can't do use an iPad, you're obviously not smart enough to use it. And there's all this nonsense. But I when when Apple has some of these demos or you just meet people, there are incredible classes of professionals from people like the guy who was at the event, Rob McCullen, who does all of the storyboarding for Pacific Rim and Star Wars mm-hmm. and all of that on an iPad Pro. And you had, I forget the name, but there was a guy who's an architect, does a lot of the famous, famous uh, celebrity houses, and he does all of that on an iPad Pro. And they were, and Kareem was there from uh, DJ, incredible DJ, does all of that on mm-hmm. the iPad Pro. And there are a huge swath of developers who were completely underserved by computers until something like iPad came on. People who make as much money as any pro, who are as legitimately mm-hmm. any pro, not traditional computing pros. The only underserved market now is developers, who's one of the biggest categories of pros and who still can't develop for iPad on iPad. But I'm hopeful that, I, mean, I think you got the same photoshop demo i did where it's real photoshop it's not full photoshop but you can sort of take your environment with you on the go and if apple would figure out that for xcode um, and let developers use important subsets of of their projects on the go with ipad pro i think we'd see a lot of the pain points sort of disappear it doesn't have to be a mac but it has to let you get the stuff done that you need to get done um yeah i i think you know what i would say is that all of these computers, all of these devices are at their best when they disappear. 
and yes. it's not in your mind that you're using it. And I feel like the iPad at some moments and in some cases is the most the most amazing of these devices that when it disappears, it can disappear for a long stretch of time, you know, and talking to people who do like illustration on it. Uh, I forget his name, but the guy who's the illustrator for uh, penny arcade just had a blog oh, post yeah, about, yeah. um, about use, you know, he's been using an iPad pro. I don't know for how, how much, you know, some, I don't know, like a year or something and bought the new one. And, as much as he liked the old one, it's just blown away by the new one. But it's, you, you listen to him talk about it, and it's like part of it is that it just—it's not like using a computer anymore. It's just—he's yeah. it, it, just—it's just a pencil and his comic. You know that the iPad becomes the actual comic. Yeah, it's not a device with a comic. It is just is the comic. I think the iPad is so great at that. But then there's times when you just want like a big Safari window on the left and a tall, skinny twi Twitter window on the right. And then, oh, you want to replace that Twitter, skinny Twitter thing on the right with messages because somebody just texted you and it's like eight, eight swipes and taps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when it really shouldn't be. Because you still want yeah. Safari over there on the side in a way that, you know, once you pair these two things side by side, they become a, like a married couple that can't be separated. You know, they've, they've got like a dependence problem. And that's the other thing. People always complain that there's not full Safari on there. And I never know who's to blame for that because you talk to Apple and they're like, there's just one Safari team. We just make Safari. Yeah. But then you try to use Safari on iPad and all these sites load the iPhone version of it instead yeah. of the desktop version. And you have to press the desktop button and you get yeah. it. Like it's available yeah. to it. There's for some reason the mix of mobile Safari's uh, identity bar yep. and those websites just always give you a bad experience. Yeah. It makes people think that Safari is worse than it actually is. There's other things too. I got to write about this. It's, it's, it's just such a mountain. It's just such it's such a huge rant, but I got to get it off my chest. But like one of the other things I noticed, I've, tr I've been trying to do more and more work on it. And so, um, I upload the, the, the audio hosting for the talk show is on SoundCloud and yeah. to upload, there might be other ways. I don't know. The way I know how to do it is I log into SoundCloud's website and they have a button that says upload audio. And then you choose from the file picker or you drag it into the window and, it uploads the audio and you wait and it does a little processing and then it's ready. And then, you know, I can proceed with the other stuff I have to do. So I tried doing it on the iPad last week with the last episode and SoundCloud doesn't have a mobile or at least on the iPad, they, they show you what looks like the same thing I see on the Mac. It's, it shows you the full website and it lets you hit the upload button and uh, the upload button lets you pick from the apps in files so I can pick from Dropbox and I can pick from iCloud. Yeah. Um, Dropbox is actually where I, what I need and it works and I can just go there and I, it's exact, you know, just like as familiar as the finder, here's all my folders in my Dropbox. Here's the one for the talk show. Here's the new episode. There it is. And it goes and it starts uploading. And as it's uploading, if I command tab away and go to another app and then come back to Safari, it stopped. <laughs> Yeah, it just doesn't doesn't work in the background, yeah. um, and that's you know, <laughs> I don't want to sit there and wait. It takes minutes. I don't. Yes, <laughs> it doesn't seem right. That's I, why I, Apple's just in time multitasking breaks down for you. And on the other hand, I get it though because I hate the idea. I hate how much battery life and CPU power I waste on the Mac with crappy websites yep. running JavaScript. I don't want in the background. Like I kind of like philosophically the idea that a website that isn't a visible tab should be shut down 
But I didn't close the tab. I didn't cover the tab. It's still the frontmost tab in Safari. I've just made Safari not frontmost, <laughs> and the upload stops. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, and I think they have a way to make that kind of stuff continue. I don't remember for sure, uh, but I'm, I think they I, do I, have it, a way. But and for all I know, it's entirely SoundCloud's fault. I don't know. I, it, no, it, that sounds like iOS. It's because right. I don't think SoundCloud would terminate the connection. That sounds like iOS has reached its whatever limit for right. time and shuts right. down the process. Right. I, I'm just saying it doesn't really matter because practically speaking, it, it doesn't always work, yeah. it always works on the Mac and it doesn't work on the iPad unless I keep it frontmost. And I even think I have to, you know, it takes enough minutes usually to upload an episode of the show that I I would have to keep touching the screen to keep it from falling asleep. So there's this weird thing, like it reminds me of when Marco did that whole talk about he didn't want to have a setting screen in the original Overcast, right. and he ended up having to do so many gymnastics to avoid having a setting screen, yeah. it was simpler just to add a setting screen. And Apple really didn't want a file system on the iPad, even though they had an image picker and a photos app, and they could have easily had document picker and a files app like they have right now. It took them years, and they had silos, so if you created a note... Um, in Vesper, for example, and then you forgot where that note was. You'd have to try and figure out what, go through every single one of your apps and yeah. find a note because there was no, and now finally we have universal files, but I can stick an SD card or, a, you know, something into the computer and uh, image picker will come up and let me pull in all my photos, but document picker will not come up and let me pull in all my documents. Right. And it feels like it's just that legacy thinking where they're, they're, um, they're, obsession of avoiding the complexity of files has made co- files so much more complex than they need to be on iOS. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we were, t- yeah, it's, it, there's sometimes where you just need, to, you, you just can't beat the old floppy net, you know, sneaker yeah. net, you know, you just have a big file on machine a and the fastest way to get it to the machine B where you need it is to, you know, use an SD card or a USB drive or something. Um, it's very frustrating that that doesn't work. I know that's been talked to death, and it's got to be on Apple's radar. But yeah, and it doesn't. So that's the things that I'd like you know you don't you don't need Finder. They just have these exist. And again, I'm I'm doing the exact thing I said not to, but don't propose solutions for most. Right. But my problem is I get given these things, and I need to be able to handle them, and I need them right. to fix that for me. Yeah, I don't. You know, and you know, I totally get not being able to. You know. I just feel like Apple is a little gun shy about even opening the door crack on external storage, you know, and the way that, you know, even Android's gotten away from it, though. I don't I, I to me, it seems like most Android phones don't take SD card slots that you can use as internal storage anymore. And I, I totally get people were so frustrated by that in the early years of the iPhone because the storage capacities were so low and other phones, you know, would let other brand phones would let you do it, you know, open the back, put an SD card in there. And then all of a sudden you can store, you know, it just looks like the, the OS treats it as internal storage. I get not doing that because then you, you, it just, you know, the Mac does it and the Mac has the conceptual heaviness to allow it. But what happens when you take the card out and the app is dependent on it, right? It's the, you so know. that's the thing is like, uh, again, I don't want them to just put the Mac onto iOS, but there, and I understand that the cloud, like they have storage providers, so you can hook into Dropbox and iCloud and then you can move files over the cloud. That's fine. But there are situations, even when dealing with people at Apple, where you get given sto- physical storage yeah. and I don't need it to be persistent physical storage. I just need to get the files on. Yeah. So if they gave me, like they have a wonderful new, it debuted with iOS 12, a wonderful new way to pull photos on because they understand that when you're dealing with photos and video, it comes from an external source, the camera 
camera or the card. Files is the same thing. Just give me a, the the files equivalent of the of the image picker and yep. let me suck those files into files.app and I'll be fine. I don't have to keep the drive plugged in. I just need to get them onto my iPad. Exactly. Or the opposite is let me move this file yes. from somewhere else onto this card because I got to give it to Renee because Renee is the one who's going to go do the editing. You know. Yes. All right, let yeah, me take I a, don't have four right, gigs of time right. to wait for it to upload. All right, let me take a break here and thank our third and final sponsor of the show. Oh, it's our good friends at Fracture. Fracture is where you take your photos, get them printed directly on glass. They make their prints by printing directly on the glass. Not a piece of paper stuck to glass. Not a piece of paper behind glass. It's printed right on the glass. It is, it is gorgeous. It is edge to edge. You don't need a frame. The glass is the frame. It is just edge to edge, all of your, just your image. Everyone, they have all sorts of sizes, big, huge sizes, little tiny desktop sizes. Everyone comes with everything you need to mount it on a wall or to prop it up on your mantle or your desk. Everything comes with what you need in the packaging and the quality is just outstanding. Now, you know why they're sponsoring in mid-November. It's because these things are the best holiday gifts. These are fantastic gifts and the thing is, you cannot wait till the last minute on a fracture print because they make all these things down in their factory in Gainesville, Florida. Um, and you can order right now. You'll get them in plenty of time. Pause the show if you want to. Pause the show. Go take an hour or make a to-do. Put a reminder in there to do it You know, today, tomorrow. Do it now. Don't wait weeks because they will get backed up and they'll fall behind the holidays for shipping. Uh, and you don't want to you don't want to do that because I'm telling you these things are the best gifts and one of the things I'm a terrible gift buyer because I don't know what to buy anybody I don't even know what I like <laughs> I'm terrible at buying gifts the thing about fracture prints that are so great is you can keep giving them to people year after year like that's the worst part was I hate it when I finally think of a really great gift for somebody and they're like this is really thoughtful this is such a great gift well I've just burned the idea fractures as gifts you can just keep doing them year after year. You don't have to waste any time, waste any thought. It's fantastic. And nobody, no grandparent ever is like, ah, I've got too many pictures of my grandkids. Nobody ever thinks that. They're just fantastic. Everybody loves them. The quality is great. The prices are great. Um, and they're a green company operating a carbon neutral factory. So you can feel good about that. Here's where you go. FractureMe.com slash talk. T-A-L-K, and you'll get a special discount on your first order. FractureMe.com slash talk. And don't forget to pick the talk show in their one-question survey after checkout. That's FractureMe.com slash talk. Do not wait till December. Go order now. Ah, I love Fracture. I, I really so mean great. it. I swear, it, uh, they sponsor the show every year. I swear, even if they stopped sponsoring, if they said, screw you, John, we're not sponsoring your show anymore, <laughs> I would still tell people to buy yes. Fracture Gifts as gifts because it's just yeah. it's so unbelievable. Um, what else is going on? Oh, how about this cable situation? I really dug deep on the, the <laughs> I saw that. So here's, here's the, my dilemma. And, and now I've, I've bought this new iPad Pro. And I've, I don't even know where my old iPad Pro is. It's somewhere in my office. It's it's already it's old junk. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but now I've got this thing that I'm carrying around me personally, John. Now, so now it's a real problem because it's my my problem. Yes, is I've got this thing with a new connector. 
I still, my personal MacBook Pro is still the 2014, so I've still got yeah. MagSafe for, for that. Um, and I've, you know, got a phone. And now, so now I've got to go around and I've got to charge, if I go on a trip and I take a pad, iPad, and a Mac, and my phone. Now I've got oh, three things three cables. to charge. <laughs> and, you know, the Mac. And maybe micro USB for some of your accessories. I'm right. Guessing. Well, like a battery pack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I've been a big fan. I've, I've mentioned this before. Um, uh, Monoprice, yeah. uh, makers of ca cables and all sorts of gadgets, have these excellent cables that have their, their USB-A that goes into the charging source side. And on the other side, it's a micro USB with two caps that are attached, one for lightning and one for USB-C. So one cable, it is a little ugly at the end because it's got, you know, two of these little like caps sort of like, you know, but they are attached and they're attached. I've had these, a couple of these cables for well over a year, you know, the little piece of rubber that keeps it attached. It seems very rugged. Um, and it's kind of a lifesaver. It's a great thing. It, it doesn't, you know, cause it looks a little ugly, so it's not not the most elegant thing to have laying around the house, but in terms of like something to keep in your bag, having a couple of them, you just take. I and it, they're, they're the only black cables I have. So if I see a black cable in my bag, I know it'll work for anything. It has Lightning, USB C, and Micro USB. The problem is it's USB A on the other end, so I need a USB A charger, which didn't used to be a problem because that's I, I just used the iPad chargers, right, which were either ten watt or in recent years, 12 watt. So the old Apple iPad chargers were what I would take. I'd take like two of them with me or like on a family trip. I bought at some point, I forget what brand it was. It's probably an anchor. I had this black thing, probably about the size of like a MacBook power square. And it had a bunch of USB a slots. So you could, I could plug this one thing in and charge like five USB devices. The problem now though, is that with modern MacBooks and with the iPad pro, you don't want to limit it to 10 or 12 watt charging. You want, you want faster charging because it can charge faster, but the faster chargers, the 18 watt charger that comes with the iPad pro and the 30 watt charger that you can buy from Apple or the better deal, the anchor one, that's also 30 watt and it's like half the price. Uh, they all start with USB-C out to get those, support those faster charging speeds. And the only company that sells USB-C to lightning cables that support fast charging and are certified is Apple. They have two. They have a one meter cable and a two meter cable. And I think they're 19 and a ridiculous $35 uh, respectively. I mean, I say ridiculous. I mean, I think it's hard to make a two meter cable that does it. It's, yeah. I, I don't know, but I don't think Apple's track record on lightning cable durability really no. justifies <laughs> the prices that they charge. I mean, you know, I, I, I probably criticize Apple less on pricing than most critics. Uh, I got to say that for their quality, a lot of their products are high priced, but they're also very high quality. The lightning cables are high priced and they are not high quality. <laughs> There's, I've thrown out an awful lot of lightning cables over the years because they fray and the, the things get exposed. No company has third-party cables. It, yeah. And so I dug into it. And the long story short is um, 
<laughs> it's hard to make this story short, actually. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> all right. One thing I learned that I guess I knew, but I think I'd forgotten, is that all MFI, made for iPhone, uh, licensed cables with lightning, every single one, the actual lightning connector, the little thing that plugs into the, your phone, the, the actual lightning connector, all of them are sourced from Apple. Yes. So every anchor, monoprice, Amazon, you name it. If you buy a certified lightning cable, the actual lightning connector is from Apple. So there No one else is licensed to make those connectors. Right. And part of it is uh well, I don't who knows what the reasons are. So I think part of it might be technical because there's like a chip in there for a handshake that I guess Apple wants to make itself. I think Apple enjoys having the control. Yes. Um, it's almost always control. They don't give them away. <laughs> they sell them. <laughs> Um, and I guess the problem is that the existing connectors aren't, aren't certified for PD power delivery, which is what is required to get above 12 Watts on USB. Um, and so Apple's own cables obviously have this new connector, uh, that is certified, you know, and does PD because you can, you can plug these into like a 30 watt charger. I think the new iPad pro would, can even go up to like 45 Watts or something. Um, I think it can take advantage of even more than a 30 watt charger, but a 30 watt charger gets you pretty close to the maximum charging speed. Apple isn't licensing those connectors to third parties. So you can't, there's nothing Belkin or, or Anchor or Amazon or any of the monoprice, any of the companies who you might like to buy third-party cables from, they, there's nothing they can do. And supposedly, according to these rumors, that's going to change at some point in the spring of next year, that by, by like April or something like that, third parties are going to have the new uh, lightning cable connectors and can therefore make a USB-C lightning cable. Yeah, they're all new. They're completely new end bits. Yeah, exactly. It's so long, you know, that's a good way to put it. The end bits are new because they support this new thing. And right now USB only Apple has them. Yeah. Uh, I, the MFI licensees do not talk about MFI because the penalty there's everybody signs a non-disclosure agreement and breaking the non-disclosure agreement supposedly carries fines in the millions of dollars. Uh, yes. That's what Neil Patel has, has reported. And I have no reason to doubt him. Um, and I also have no reason to doubt that Apple would enjoy putting a massive penalty fee on breaking. Uh, Let's I mean, just say that those NDAs are so much stricter than the NDAs you see around new versions of iOS that people hmm. used to break routinely hmm. after WWDC. So there's not a lot of information out there. Neil was tweeting about it this week and said that he's, you know, The Verge has been trying to get a story on MFI licensing out for a while. And they've been working, you know, for like a year and they really don't have the story yet because they can't get anybody to talk even off the record. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I heard from somebody who, who would be in a position to know is that at one point last year, no third parties were getting any lightning connectors from yeah. Apple. <laughs> that, it's been like that for years. Like they've been short on those connectors for years. Which yeah, is not even talking, not new connectors, not new end yes. bits that support higher speed charging, just any lightning connector <laughs> because yes. Apple had needed the entire world supply of lightning connectors for the three lightning connectors that were going into every iPhone box. And I, and I was told this, I was like, wait, why would you put three lightning connectors? And it was, yeah, because at that time they were, they're still giving you a charging cable, of course. Uh, the new headphones that have a lightning yeah. connector and they were giving everybody the headphone jack to lightning ding 
dongle. Yeah. Um, and so they, you know, the first quarter and hundreds of, of millions of life, <laughs> right? Like 70 million in a, in a quarter. So that's 200 210 million lightning connectors in a quarter yeah. that have to, you know, and they can't, you, the iPad production cannot be held up because of a lack of lightning dongles, for, yeah. you know, and it's kind of wacky to think that, uh, that the Apple wasn't able to make lightning connectors fast enough, but it may well be true. No, it's absolutely true. It's happened for several years. Hmm. That's crazy. When you think it, about it, because there's iPhone supply, there's iPad supply, there's Apple's own accessories, which aren't much, but they all right. do add on top of it. And, I, you know, they like having that control. Uh, and, you know, they've been able to wield that control that Lightning gives them to do, you know, prevent things like having battery cases that have a headphone jack, which I can't prove is because Apple doesn't allow it. I don't, I, I don't know anybody at Apple who's told me off the record, no, no, we won't. Yeah. We don't allow that. We don't want that. I don't know anybody who nobody's told me that it's a sort of educated guess, but the fact that nobody makes a case that has a headphone jack sort of would suggest that that is true. And I've, you know, like you said, Apple likes having control. So yeah. one of my, re everybody seems, not everybody, but a lot of people seem to think that because the iPad has gone to USB-C, that the iPhone's going to go to USB-C and we're going to live in this uh, utopia where everything charges with the same connectors. I don't think that's going to happen. Because uh, I, I don't, uh, A, I, I just don't think Apple wants to give up the control. And B, I think it, it's another one of those cases where you need to listen to what Apple says. When Apple says, here's why we changed the iPad Pro yeah. to USB-C, and they give all these reasons, they don't really apply to the phone. They, and they don't say, well, we just want the whole world to be on the same, <laughs> the same connector. <laughs> they don't say that. <laughs> it's no, a, and it's, it's funny because they will typically work. With, so they know when there's problems. Like, for example, when they took, uh, took away the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack, they knew that there were people with accessibility needs who have to actually mm. listen to headphones and charge at the same time. So they worked, it's typically like Belkin or a company like that. They'll work with those companies to make charging pads um, like they did with the, with the inductive iPhones or to make splitters like they did when the iPhone 7 came out. So you would be able to buy those day and date. And the fact that they didn't work with anybody to make all this stuff for the the new iPad Pro, I think, is telling when it comes to the supply of, of those components. Yep, I, I agree, too. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. But I, the thing about me that I want is I want third-party cables. I, I Like, one yeah. of the small things, A, the price is better. Uh, you know, $19 is the cheapest USB-C to Lightning cable you can get. Uh, but the price doesn't even so much bother me so much as the fact that I don't one meter is too long for yes. some of my needs. You know, I, I don't want. I like to have a cup. I like like little six inch lightning cables for like uh, totally. You know, and you know one of the ways I minimize the number of chargers I have to take on a trip is taking advantage of the fact that I can use a Mac as a, like a USB hub and plug mm -hmm. my Mac into power, and then plug other things into the USB ports on my MacBook. I don't need a one meter cable for that. I, a, like a six inch cable is perfect because it's the phone's just right there next to the computer. Um, and you know, having all of your cables be at least a meter long when you need, you know, three, four, five, maybe more cables, uh, it, you know, they get tangled. It's a mess. So it's and very frustrating. Some people just don't like the material Apple makes and they want one of the corded ones or they want one of the alternate materials that another yeah. vendor makes. Or one that doesn't fray. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, yeah, you told, I, you know, there's, 
it's so it, it it seems very curious that there aren't any and i think there was a lot of there was some speculation from some of the people when i started asking that maybe apple just doesn't want to allow third-party usb-c to lightning cables i don't think it's that they don't want it i just think that it is taking a very long time to ramp up the production of those connectors that allow it and in the meantime yeah, and- apple apple is the only one who has them and if you remember, like when the when the Apple TV 4K came out, suddenly the Apple community had to realize what a mess HDMI was because the mm. length did matter and the shielding did matter. And if yes. you wanted 444 HDR, you couldn't just use any cable. Mm-hmm. And now USB-C, even though it's been on the Mac for three years, people really didn't understand the complete mess that USB-C was that other people have been dealing with for years to the extent that a Google engineer had to go through and individually review every cable on Amazon so that you wouldn't yeah. burn down your devices by plugging them in because it is a horrible, horrible horrible mess yeah and i think i don't think apple wanted to avoid that because the, the cable that comes with the ipad doesn't do everything that you want a USB-C cable to do no no that's cra- that's the crazy thing like i don't know how many pe- i knew that this was true but i didn't know that as many of the details yeah. as i found out in this deep dive this week it's it is insane how different one USB-C cable can be from another and yes. you can see it physically and and it you know, and guess what? Apple doesn't label them. <laughs> there is no. no, there is no secret small print. You know that you can triple click your iPhone to get the magnifying glass and read. Oh, this is charging only, not data. Nope. <laughs> Their cables don't even have Apple logos on them. They're they are, you know, they're from Johnny White's white universe of of objective purity. You know, there's. <laughs> And I, some people think, like, what is this a Thunderbolt 3K? Oh, Thunderbolt 3 isn't a real thing. It's just something that can be carried over USB-C. Yeah. But this one doesn't carry it, and this one does. Right. So you can tell the difference because the, the, one, that, the one that Apple includes with the iPad Pro is thinner. It is a very yes. thinner, suppler cable. And the one that is capable of doing data, too, is a much thicker uh, – it's just a thicker cable. But I didn't even realize that. Like, I've been using these cables again for three years, and I just assumed that Apple would include the usual cable, and I plugged it into a display, and it didn't yeah. work. And, yeah. So and I thought yeah. I was doing something stupid. Right. And it's so, A, yeah, Renee Ritchie, the guy who's the editor at iMore, shouldn't be confused by this, <laughs> frankly. Because no. if you are, normal people are going to be baffled. But I can see this being a disaster in the real world where if yeah. you're, you know, in a in a rush, you've got a deadline, you know you need a you you've got to get this uh you, you've got your iPad, you're going to project it onto a screen for an important meeting or a demonst- you know, whatever. You you need, yeah. you know, to connect. And here I've grabbed a USB-C cable. Let me double check the connectors. Yes, definitely USB-C. Good to go. Plug it in. Nothing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. And oh, what, it's thinner. I didn't realize. What normal person is going to think it's the wrong type of USB C cable? Yeah. There's just uh, well, there shouldn't be a wrong no, type of USB C. No. <laughs> if it looks like USB C, it should be USB C. Yes. And yeah. I will say to Apple's credit on this delay getting a third party USB C to Lightning cables out is that once it happens, you won't have to worry about it that all of the licensed ones will be will support faster charging speeds and there won't be any that don't um which brings me to the ones you can buy because please 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 i hope i didn't wait too long to bring this up on the show i hope my email box isn't already filled up with (laughs) more of the I don't know what the hell you're talking about, John. I bought a bunch of these USB-C lightning cables on Amazon for $6 yeah. each. I know that you can buy them. I know that that there's a, a – I forget 
I don't even want to mention the brand. Some a bunch of no-name brands. I think they're all just white labeled. Yes. You can go to Amazon and buy cables that are USB-C on one end and Lightning on the other, but a they are not MFI certified, and so they're yes. not using Apple's Lightning things. And I would not use a cable like that <laughs> plugged into my twelve hundred dollar iPhone. Um, yeah, power is not something you ever want to screw around with. I would not plug the other end of it, the thirty, the USB C end. I would not plug that into a thirty watt charger. <laughs> I, I just I, and I I think that the risk of like fires or sparks or something like that is probably pretty low. Um, but these cables, even if they work perfectly, are never going to deliver more than twelve watts of power. Yeah. Because they're not using, you know, they're, they're not PD USB certified. PD, yeah. So it will work. And I know that there are people, I got a ton of, you know, people are saying, like, I bought these, they work, they charge just fine. I think they're fast charging. Well, they're not fast charging, although 12 watt is faster than 5 watt. I mean, it's... They're fast charging the way the old iPad adapter yes. used to fast, like the old USB-A right. iPad adapter used to fast charge, not the way a USB-C adapter would. Right. And you, if you actually sit here and stopwatch like a new iPad Pro charging on a 30 watt charger it is it significantly it is very fast uh uh so you're they're not good cables uh but b if you actually open up the reviews scroll down and and amazon and look at the reviews and sort by most recent don't because if you i forget what they sort by by default but it's like the companies have enough most shills help, yeah yeah most helpful isn't good because they're all they all they make it sound like these cables are good just they go vote to, up their own cables yeah yeah go to most recent where you just see just in order the most recent reviews and they're just chock full of people who say that they break after a week week or two weeks i mean however fragile apple's connectors are they don't break after a week so you're getting what you pay for so anyway yeah. that's my rant on on cables and, it's public service, John. And the mess that USB-C is. Yeah, I don't think that... Do you think that the Apple's going to make the iPhone USB-C? No, I mean, I, uh, I mean, never say never, uh, but I think the advantage... Is, I mean, li- the reason we have Lightning is because USB-C didn't get certified fast enough. I'm no. sure if USB-C was available three years earlier, it would have been an easy choice. But it was very similar teams at Apple that. that worked on both I of those. I still don't know about that. Uh... No, maybe fair enough, but... Apple was not. Apple wanted to make the iPhone five. They were not going to wait for USB C to do it. And Lightning let is a smaller connector. And also, one because Apple has complete control, they can change anything about it at any time yeah. without waiting for anybody, any standards commission, right. to rule on and, those and changes. And that's a big deal. Like, didn't they do that with the headphones? Like, they, you know, like Lightning as it came out in the first generation, I don't think could have done headphones. And I think that they, you know, but they they had it in mind as a future use, and then they. You know, change the protocol. So well, I think okay. it was intelligently switching, like the old dock connector that you had to rewire over and over yeah. again, and they would change what yeah. the what the ports, what the what the keys did, and the sorry, the pins did yeah. in the old dock connector because technology changed. And I think they made Lightning to be way more adaptable for them yeah. than it was. But like there were rumors that Google was already working on a phone that has no ports and no buttons, and they just couldn't get remote restore working fast enough. Hmm. And you look at the Apple TV 4K, and they got rid of the port, and they've got remote restore working on it. Yeah, and it, I, I think there's much more likely that we'll go to no cable. Then yeah. we'll go to USB-C. Yeah, that's what that's my guess. My and I don't know how many years that is, but my guess is that we'll go to an iPhone that's more like the watch with no ports yeah. uh, before we'll see USB-C. And the watch still needs remote restore badly. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Restoring a watch is the worst. I don't even want to. And I'm pretty sure now that as soon as we get USB-C sorted, the standard will announce USB-C micro anyway, and we'll just lose our minds all over. Again. <laughs> God.
Because remember there was USB-A and then USB-A Mini and then USB-A Micro, and it just right. it got worse and worse. Yeah. The, well, the Mini was terrible. And, the and mic- it was double wide. If you had a hard drive, it would yeah. give you a double wide connector. Yeah. And we're still stuck. We're still stuck with all these micro products. And I guess I think I can't help but think that part of the reason that more more like things like battery packs and that that keyboard I was talking about earlier, that Logitech uh, sponge yeah. keyboard, uh, it charges by micro USB. I hate micro USB. I hate it. I just hate it. With it's just so freaking ugly to look at. And you know now that USB C is out and can be plugged in upside down. But I feel like it's the complexity of USB-C that keeps more of these devices from switching, right? Like, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm wrong. I'm not an electrical engineer, but I can't help but think, you know, like with micro USB, no matter what you plug in, it's not going to be high wattage. There is no yep. such thing as high wattage USB-C. But whereas you might plug this keyboard into a 85-watt MacBook Pro power <laughs> charger and it, you know, needs to do something intelligent to say, I don't need that. I just, you know, here, give me the low, you know, give me the low watt thing whereas micro usb it's it just works well i think that google guy a lot of his early reviews was like these things are not power managing and you can mm. easily over overcharge them and then i think the nintendo switch came out and it wouldn't work with standard USB C because it was doing something weird with you and it's just again not, no no human should have to worry about these no. things no and that is sort of the advantage of lightning as it stands is that if you see lightning and it's from a yes. name brand company you can you, it, it should just work and should do everything you expect lightning to do it will charge it will carry data there is no different kind of lightning <laughs> no so yeah but it's going to be a while till we get i get my beloved uh three-way cables back yeah i'm sorry john <laughs> uh that's it for me that's all everything on my list for the show anything else renee that you wanted to talk about no i was going to bend some ipads but i'll do that later yeah <laughs> <laughs> what I didn't watch this before the show, so explain this video to me. So there's this video of Zach, who does the channel Jerry Rig Everything. He somehow beat Unbox Therapy to bending iPads this year. Um, and he, he just took an iPad. He does this really weird thing, and I think it's farcical. I think it's meant as satire because there's no way you can take it seriously. Or he does these unboxings, and he's kind of comedic about it, and he... He says, like, look, it's aluminum, and he scrapes an X-Acto blade along it, and he cuts out all the parts and peels the pencil back. And then he just took the iPad, and he bent it in half. And immediately, Twitter flooded with all these people going, oh, my God, you can bend the iPad in half. But you can always bend an iPad in half. It's like metal bends, plastic cracks, glass uh, breaks, and ceramics shatter. Every material has, you know, every material science right. has these issues, and you, you have to mitigate them. So then another YouTuber... Um, Quinn from Snazzy Labs did the exact same video, even more parodied, where he did the same thing to a Huawei tablet. Um, and it was just, it was one of the funniest send-ups I'd ever seen, where he's just like, oh, bend it in half, cut it open with an X-Acto knife. It, but I think the, the reaction by the internet is more telling, because immediately I was flooded with, you know, Apple's got another bend gate, my yeah. iPad can bend, oh my God. And there was no sort of context or clarity or thought put into the reaction. It was just... Don't put it in your back jeans pocket. <laughs> I know Dalrymple used to put the mini in his back jean pocket, and it scared the crap out of me every time. But it's a tablet. It's a valuable piece of very thin right. glass and aluminum. Take care of it. All right. They'd have to start making, like, new jeans. Instead of having, like, two jean pockets, you'd just have one, one big pouch <laughs> that goes across your entire ass, and then you could, you could slot an iPad in there and bend it when you sit down. Well, I mean, some people have bent them. It's been previous generations of iPads. I think Tim Stevens said he did in, in a backpack. But you know, mm. you're putting pressure on aluminum, yeah. and it will bend. You got to be real. And Apple could make them could make them bend proof, but that would essentially be 
basically putting an OtterBox case on it that you could never remove. Yeah. So the better solution from Apple's point of view is if you need something rugged, put a rugged case on it, but you can take it off when you don't need it. If we put it on for you, you can never take it off and have a light, thin iPad. Yeah, the Jerry Rig Everything guy. What's his name? Zach? I don't even know. Zach, what. yeah. Uh, he, he, there's something. I, I do get caught. I, I see why he's successful on YouTube because I, once I start, if I can bear to stay with it for a minute, then I do end up watching like three of his stupid videos. It's rage of mouth marketing. Uh, but there's something about that guy that uh, really irritates me, but irritates me in a way that is compelling. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, and it's some of, it, some of it is just so dumb. Like, I don't know. I, I just, I, I can't stand seeing these devices smashed. I mean, like the drop yeah. test thing is a legitimate thing. And I'm like, well, let's see what happens when you drop a phone. Cause phones really do drop, but like, uh, scratching them up with like a diamond. It's like, oh. it's gadget snuff. Right. It is. It, it really is. <laughs> it, it, but, uh, YouTube's weird. Yeah. Anyway, don't worry about, I mean, just take good care of your iPad. Treat it with the value. It's an expensive thing. Treat it with care. Yeah. Well, I, I had never bent an old one, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everybody can follow you on Twitter. You're at Renee Ritchie uh, and all of your work or most of your work. <laughs> Much of your work is at imore.com. All of it. imore.com slash vector. You and you are... I don't understand when you sleep because you are a video producing machine with vector. <laughs> Thank you. And I think, <laughs> well, no, I mean it. I, I, I don't know. I don't do videos yet. I don't know. I mean, it seems like everybody's doing videos now, but I don't understand. It takes me so long to review a product in writing. Yeah. And I feel like when I have messed around with video, it video takes forever. <laughs> It's like, yeah, I won't lie. Like if you have a verge video team and it, like Neelay says how long it, because he has to share the device with the verge right. video team, but there's still a verge video team and it takes them up to the last second to get it done. So I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the, <laughs> the, I'm video team is you. Yes. <laughs> or at least your the vector video team is you. Yes. Uh, but you're getting, you've always been good and I enjoy your videos, but you're, they're getting even better. It shows, you know, oh, the, you. the, 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 you know, adage of, you, you know, you get better by just by doing it. Is, definitely shows uh, thank you very much really and you know sometimes the video is the right way to do it uh you know like when you're showing illustration it really is a show don't tell type of thing that was a completely because Trinity caldwell went to apple and can't make videos anymore and right. she did those great apple pencil reviews i just felt like i had to yeah. pick up that torch it is amazing though that your you her colleague at imore are also a fairly talented illustrator uh you know that you lost a spent youth john <laughs> <laughs> It's like if you want to work at iMore, you got to be able to draw. It's effectively bit, yeah. the lesson. <laughs> um, I did see Serenity at the event. Did you saw her? I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was good. She was there in her capacity as as an Apple person now, and then she was very yeah. nice enough to say hi. And she was obviously. I knew she was busy because we were outside and it was freezing, and she didn't even have a coat on. And I was like, oh, she's busy. She was moving as fast on feet as she usually does on skates. Yeah, definitely. She needed skates. I think she was going yeah. so fast. Um, it was good to see her. Uh, I do miss I do I do miss having her pencil Absolutely. reviews, but that's the way the world is. Uh, all right, my thanks to you. Uh, anything else you want to plug? No, that's great. Thank you so much. Yeah, Vector. Everybody should watch your video. Definitely watch the one on the pencil. It's a great It's a great example of of where Vector as a YouTube uh, channel is. Oh, thank you, John. All right, Renee. Have a good uh, non Thanksgiving <laughs> Thanksgiving <laughs> have week. A good Thanksgiving, John. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>